adjust your radio dial. You are tuned in to the Mark Order Podcast. Join the Mark Order. what that means the mark order podcast in the house talking to dynamite tonight no collision this past week so we don't have anything to collide about but we've got a lot to talk about with dynamite tonight we got joe we got ryan in the house what's cooking fellas joe how are you i'm good um <laughs> you were muted and tried to talk. Yeah, I yeah, I forgot to mute myself. Nope, good. Fast week so far, so. Love that for you. Love that for you. Did you get a haircut? A couple weeks ago. Oh, okay. You got them all cut. I was just going to make that wow. joke, Ryan. Uh, you can kill them. I got my ears lowered. and said my hair's cut. No. Hey, hey. Ryan, how are you other than unable to kill the music? Well, it's supposed to fade out eventually. I'm waiting for that to happen. It hasn't yeah. faded yet. Can't you no, jump it, in doesn't, early. Doesn't it, wasn't it a manual fade out? No, he put in an, uh, an auto fade. See, it's happening. No, uh, it's not. I don't know. Back when Ant was here and somebody was now, running now it's, properly. Now the auto fade. That's not me. And now, there you go. There you go. I think See, you, I did it. Something's, something's up with your mic over there, friend of mine. Well, you can hear me? That's much better. I was doing two things at once. Well, I guess we can't all just be magnificent multitaskers like me. That's not true. I have terrible ADD. Uh, We are going to (laughs) talk some AEW, but before we get into it, how we doing? Joe, you said it's been a fast week. Is it because it's a busy week? A busy week, yeah. Um, Full of fun and frivolity? You know, since we're all amongst friends here and and a little safe space um i went on a coffee date last over the weekend who's the lucky lady tell us uh, everything you didn't get my permission i know i just i don't go on dates very often and i just do it mainly just to keep in practice like you know to keep my reps up sure um so that's really rusty? no it's like i i have no really illusions of like pursuing anything serious I'm like, i should probably go on a date just to see if i still know how to do this sure <laughs> how, how to act like a human and my what? laugh wasn't at you going on a date it was at your keeping my reps up comment <laughs> wait it's, did did you like her um I mean, it was a good conversation all right all right it's are fun. you gonna are we following up is there gonna be a second one or are you yeah. just out here breaking hearts you know, um, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to have an ex in every state, including Texas. So I don't okay. know. Well, all your exes should live in Texas, really. That's why oh, you would hang her. Only one. Only one. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, we I'm went over this, happy. actually. We did. I'm glad For you were follow the at MarkOrderPod ex account. I do. I do remember um that conversation a little bit but because i think i probably made the same joke 
think I made the same joke, which is on brand for me. But I'm glad. I'm glad you went out on a date. Yeah. Was she a babe? She was all right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Again, just just enough to get me out there. And it's uh, no. That's good. Gotta get out there. Yes. Can't, can't be hibernating like Ryan over here all the time. That's a lie. You absolutely can be just. doing that. You know how I know that's true? <laughs> I do it. Fair enough. Fair enough. How have you been, Ryan? How was your week? Uh, good. I didn't go on any dates. I don't have that to share. Let me think. Do I have anything else? No. Okay. I live a boring life. Very taint. Well, you know, very boring life. I'm a very boring man in a very boring world. Um, I wouldn't say that you're boring as much as I like to call you a nerd, but I like to do that most when I'm watching niche 1980s, early 90s wrestling from rings. Uh, that's extremely technical. So that's that's been my thing this week is uh, on the times that I've interacted with Ryan being like, <laughs> what a nerd. And then doing that while I'm watching like full converse. literally sent me the link to rings. And you a, liked it. <laughs> but it was an obscure Japanese promotion from the early 90s. Promotion. Was it from the early 90s? Sure. It was a promotion from the the early 90s. You can make fun of my accent all you want. It's still true that it was a promotion from the early 90s that you looked up simply because Nigel mentions it once on commentary. He mentioned Volcan's wrist control. And I was like, well, I should go and check that out. And a lot of what was on YouTube was Volcan in the promotion rings. And it was also really interesting because it was kind of like shoot style wrestling really well done. And you also I liked it like I thought you would. So it was inter- I liked it. I won't deny it. But to call me a nerd. Yeah. Nerd. I know this is what you're watching. Technical early 90s shoot style Japanese wrestling is the epitome of being extremely cool. Don't know uh what is uncool about that. And yes, I do anything Nigel McGinnis says because we're a better society for it. When we are educated wrestling fans that are on the side of the clamps, quite frankly. So far be it from you, okay, to doubt the wonderful Nigel McGinnis. I hope he does magic trick and makes you disappear. So that's what I think. Hey, how was your week? Oh, thanks for asking, Ryan. Um, it was good. <laughs> Raising Nigel, and then I was gonna kick in. I wasn't sure if we had stopped yet. <laughs> No, I, uh, it's been, it's been a chill little week. I'm like definitely trying to pick things up. I had like, I talked about this before, but I had so much like New Year's momentum and then immediately got COVID and then was like recovering for a little bit. And then we went on the cruise. So now all of a sudden I blink and it's like the end of February already. And I'm like, I need to get my ass in here (laughs) on stuff, but but good. I like went to the gym a couple times this week, which has been I have not seen the inside of a gym in way too long, so that's been really refreshing. Did it change? Uh, uh only the skinny any part. But other than that, everything is the same there. So life's all right. But we're gonna switch things up a little bit today because um there was no collision to talk about. There was no colliding. Rampage is okay. Rampage. Okay. Okay. Review it if you want to. There's no rankings. 
to force Ryan to rap to. So it's it was going to be a song. I, I had started it and then was looking to see how they change, and then there's nothing. You're going to have to save it for for next week, probably, because there there were no ranking. Um, so we're going to, like we normally do news and notes at the end of the night, we're going to kick around some stuff because we got some announcements today that I think are prevalent and we can, um, let's talk about them now because we got, we've got no raps. I mean, I can rap. Well, even when we have ranking raps, can you? Yeah, Joe's got it. Um, and we have no, we have no other wrestling really to talk about. So, um, let's get into some of the things that we got tonight and just some other news from the week that is AEW relevant because, um, we found out that we have Will Ospreay debuting before Revolution in ring, which I think is a very cool thing. Um, I think a lot of people assumed that the match with Takeshita was going to be his debut match. It is not. Feels like we have that. We have Mercedes pending. There's some other free agents out there. There's some other people trying to escape TNA that can't. Uh, but it feels like we're getting a lot of like back-to-back or maybe back-to-back-to-back um, debuts of a refreshed kind of thing here. Like we know Mercedes is coming. Um, we, we've known Will Ospreay is coming. Okada's still lingering out there, but he's expected to come in at some point. So feels like not only has the product gotten back on task here, but you're also getting like that excitement again about like, if I go to another dynamite, anything could happen kind of feel, which we didn't have for a while. I felt like so I guess my questions are, let's assume Okada comes here. Will Ospreay is starting with a match against Takeshita, so it feels like we're going to be in a United Empire Callus family situation. Mercedes, we have no idea um, who she's going to be debuting against or anything like that. So what are your thoughts about, like, is this too front-loaded or does it just feel exciting again? And who do you think these programs get kicked off with because there's there's it's a crowded roster but there are some people not doing very much i'll start with you joe like are you excited that these seem to be hitting in succession or are you like we should spread them out a pay-per-view cycle and who do you feel like they're gonna be debuting against i don't know if aw can wait you know multiple pay-per-view cycles to to debut all these people because i think they were kind of in a lull so they kind of get to heat up a little bit here Sure. Uh, especially with you know, obviously all the reports about how some of their you know attendance records have been for Collision and for Dynamite. So I think definitely getting Mercedes and getting Osprey in there, and you no know, likely Okada. I think that'll be a big shot in the arm for them for their sure. attendance and to kind of rejuvenate that crowd. Uh, I think that's a a good point. Like I feel like it's been kind of overdue, um, and I also feel like to your point, like. The pay-per-view cycles are spread out in AEW more than on a monthly basis. Now you have like your St. Patrick's Day slams and your Quake by the Lakes, which travesty that they didn't make that an annual thing. Um, but who do you think we see? Any ideas for programming for any of these three? I feel like Osprey is almost a little bit more earmarked already. Mm-hmm. Um, but any thoughts on like if Okada is showing up or who Mercedes debuts against? I, I haven't thought much about the Okada one. I know Mercedes, we've kind of kicked around the idea of no, a Sheeta or a Nyla or you know, someone who's established a former champion, but who can go in there and uh, take a loss and still be okay. Judges to Mercedes. Um, 
I also wouldn't hate if Mercedes came and helped, you know, spur on a uh, a tag division finally, a long overdue tag division. Even though I know it's going to be hard because she's a single star, but like, if there's ever a time to really introduce that, I think it would be her, especially with you know her story of how she left, obviously WWE as a tag team champion. So I think that'd be a a good callback in a way to her career. Who would you want her partnered with? Also a good question. I know um, my frequent co-host Alex has said like her and Queen Amanada with Queen Amanada like as a heavy could be really fun because of her presence. But I think she might be winning that TV tournament in ROH. I think that's a, a more realistic possibility as that store kind of continues to, to develop over there. But um, Ryan, same question for you. Do you feel like having all these pops back to back to back is a good thing? Or do you think they should be spread out a little bit more? Because it really feels like we're getting them in quite a bit of succession here. And uh, we talked a little bit about this in previous weeks, but any clear thoughts on who you would want to see people debuting against? Back to back to back jacks. Oh, Damn sorry. right. Uh, no, I'm kind with Joe. I don't think you can wait to spread these out. I, I think part of it is it would be cool. Like, yeah, every so often you get a new person in and that's, but for a little while, AEW's momentum seemed to be gone. And they've gotten that back in most ways. But it wouldn't hurt to just give it a huge shot of adrenaline being like, here you go. Here's three right in a row. Adrenaline you... in my show. Huh? Not that bad. Is, that, that does work out real well. Thank you. Um, because <laughs> I think if you, if you do that, you just get people interested to be like, holy crap, they got three people. You know, there's there's something to that. Uh, kind of like the Danielson and Adam Cole stuff right at one time. That was true. You know, it helps. It just gives you this feeling of like, holy crap, look at this loaded roster, which is an issue. But like on a night like tonight where Tony tweeted out, oh, we have injuries and other issues. That's where a loaded roster really comes in handy. You know, maybe give your guys some breaks if they're feeling beat up instead of having to push it. Stuff like that. In it terms is crazy of when you consider like Adam Cole's been injured, Kenny's been out. Pac, I know that they had really high hopes for, so whatever is going on with him is is clearly something that's persistent. Um, so on the women's side, you had Jamie Hader out. You've had Britt Baker out. Like, there's a lot of talent that is out. And it's to your point, Ryan, marquee name. So the fact that these names coming in aren't just like, oh, cool. Like, if it was. And no offense to him, because I actually think he's a way underutilized star in this industry. If it was like Alex Hammerstone coming in and MJF was still active, that would be cool. I would pop for that. But the fact it's Will Ospreay, arguably, almost inarguably in some ways, the best wrestler in the world after what we saw out of him when Oku. I'm just like, kind of hard to argue that. Um, Mercedes Monet, one of the most important women's wrestlers of all time. And possibly, or probably, I guess we can say at this point, Okada, probably the most important one of the most important japanese talents of all time to new japan like these are real deal names so that extra shot to the roster is something that i think is is really really important and i think it's going to make it interesting because how AEW has been structured before you haven't had a lot of people come in and just win the belt so i'm curious to see and that's part of why i was throwing it to you guys about the programming is like do they just jump into world title pictures or do we have a little bit of breathing room here, especially with the rankings back. It kind of feels like you have to have those wins. Ryan, where do you think these wins are, are going to come from? 
So I've, I've long held my theory of what's going to happen with Osprey. I'm sticking with it, which is that the, the UE feuds with um, the Callis family, which I know people are very down on the Callis family. Oh, they're going nowhere, which fine, whatever. But I think a feud with the, the United Empire would be back to shot in the arm, shot in the arm for the Callis family. Like that's a feud people will care about. They have to catch the first Osprey. You can do that a couple times and people will be like, holy crap. Uh, and if Mark Davis comes back, you're really changing things up. Now, I know Kyle Fletcher was reported today um, was having some visa issues. I think Fightful Select reported that maybe. Was that? Yes. Who? Yep. Kyle Fletcher is dealing with some uh, issues with his visa, and that's why he has not been around as much because, God forbid, an ROH champion actually be able to show up for one reason or another. <laughs> I mean, at least this time it has nothing to do with the company's fault. Sure. <laughs> or three like Shibata. Like that was an issue too, right? Mercedes, I wouldn't put her near the title to start. I think Deanna had to come in and go for the title to prove that Deanna's at that level to people who were unfamiliar. And she is by far proven it with this feud with Tony Storm. And I'm glad they gave it lots of time to breathe because she keeps showing up. Whereas Mercedes walks in, everyone knows who she is. Like, I know you can't keep her away for too long because she's too big of a name, but she's Mercedes. Like, everyone knows she's title, she's main event. They're, they're rolling out the red carpet for her. So I, Sheeta is a perfect first feud. If Britt came back healthy, that would be an amazing feud because she's there. There is a natural. I was the star. Now you're stepping in type deal. Uh, we'll see the fallout of the Statlander Willow thing because I still think Statlander's turning heel, and and that's a fun person for me. So th there's a couple options for Mercedes before she ever goes. And of course, if Hater comes, back, that would change everything too. Because she's she's a player on that. So there's a couple options for Mercedes. That had nothing to do with the title. And then I still think Deanna takes it from Tony. Um, if that's the case, you can have Mercedes and Tony at some point before she ever gets to that belt. And then she can get there. And all that is really good program. Okada is a tough one. I don't think he should go near the belt yet, but I don't know where, like in, in a good way. I'm not saying, oh, he doesn't fit. It's almost like, how do I say this? I have too many options. And like, I don't know yeah. where I want to go. Like the choices for him are, are so good. He could well Omega's out, so you would want to wait till that, but you have that obviously sitting there always on the table. You have Jay White sitting there on the table. You have um, you know, guys who left before him and who he could say, Hey, I have some issue. But then you have your AEW talent that has not nothing to do with him. Nothing to do with, you know, uh New Japan. So, you know, you have as weird as it sounds, you have an you know, you have an Adam Copeland who's like the old guy and you have Christian, you have orange Cassidy, you have all these established AEW guys, MJF, when he comes back, like whenever that is, you have Samoa Joe sitting there. You have, Serpentico. so you forgot Serpentico, Ryan, come on. Serpentico, oh, I mean, of course. Yeah. That's, that's his adventure. That's, yeah. that's like you build that towards mania type deal, but they obviously don't have mania, but that's what you would build towards. I mean, so he has an abundance of options. Kind of like Mercedes, where I don't think you have to send him to the title right away. Um, he's not at her level in terms of American audience, but he's still, people will appreciate who he is when he comes in. And we've also seen him before in AEW too, right? So yeah. I don't think, I don't think you'd run into as much of a, the AEW crowd is, I think, pretty smartened up but to New Japan in general, even if they don't follow the product. We've had enough pay-per-views with crossover at this point. The build with Danielson was very explicit about, it's a battle for best wrestler in the world, right? So 
so I agree with you there. Like Mercedes is probably the more recognizable too, if you believe in the casual audience or um, just just audience in in general. Um, but yeah, to to your point, Okada's like there's there's so much professional wrestling investment in him that like he could just step into a world title picture tomorrow, or he could do something completely peripheral to it. Um, yeah, and and truthfully, just before we. You think of how many groups he he ties into, groups now that he ties into within AEW. Sure. Chaos, which is Sue. tied in. Sue. Right. Um, he has ties to the BCC, refuting, not necessarily part of, but he has that. Sure. Obviously, the the well, the elite doesn't really exist, but whatever the Bucks are doing, he has ties there because they they have a pre-existing relationship. He has ties to. I'm blanking on someone because I'm going too fast in my own head. Um, I mean, he's another... he fought Aussie Open with the like heel dickhead. Uh, well, yeah, Aussie, Op- Aussie Open, the Bang Bang Angle. Gang, yeah, Bang Bang Gang for sure. There's a like, ton he of has stories with bunch stories that while they're there, they're not played out. So that's also the cool part. None of these stories are played out, they're all just sitting there waiting yes. to be told. So it's actually very hard to predict. If Omega was around, I think that would have been the natural first story. That's certainly, to out, yeah, almost to, to get it out of the way type point. deal. Yeah, but now you can bring that back whenever you want. But uh, yeah, this is this is it is a it's a good problem to have. It's like t- telling someone you just won the lottery and you have five hundred million dollars. What are you going to do? And they don't yeah. know. They may and not it, know, but they're but it's not a bad thing. <laughs> correct. Yeah, I feel like. Um, what's so interesting about these guys coming over and what I love with Will Osprey in particular is. If they wanted to break off the Callus family, I think I think so much of the issue with the Callus family has been people are just fatigued on Jericho for a lot of different reasons. But the main one being these angles with Jericho always overstay their welcome. They just always do. And I think people liked the Callus family when it first started. And now it's kind of just been muddy and run its course. And Sammy was here and then he was gone and all of these things. So the idea of we're sick of the Callus family is true, but nobody's going to be sick of seeing Will Ospreay versus Takeshita. Nobody's going to be sick of seeing Will Ospreay versus Kyle Fletcher if the idea is that he needs to fight him to bring him over to his side. Nobody's going to be sick of the idea. Truly, people will say that they don't want it, but people would be very happy to see Sammy Guevara versus Will Ospreay. Like, nobody's going to be mad about that. So, like, if if that's the direction it goes, I think people are ultimately going to be very happy. Um but I like that because it also is a faction piece where I feel like Okada's probably a single star. Mercedes, I could see them building something around being really cool, but when she initially shows up, it's going to be a single star. So very, very exciting time. Very exciting time for AEW programming and these debuts that seem to be coming up and confirmed are coming up in some cases. On the less fortunate news, we got some injury news from a couple of absent stars, including uh, Julia Hart, your TBS champion, who has been out since uh, the Battle of the Belts match against Anna Jay. Um, seems like it's not too severe because she hasn't had to vacate, so seems like maybe she's more working banged up or that the injury is not as severe. And Wheeler Yuta, um, frustratingly, he's the ROH Pure Champion. He has also been dealing with an injury. Um, but he is advertised for the match with uh, the Blackpool Combat Club in CMLL on March 29th. So um, some injuries that aren't too severe, but it's unfortunate because they're on two title holders. I know a lot of people about Julia, especially were like, 
why isn't she wrestling? Like this is, she's been so over. She's grown so much. Like, why isn't she defending? Seems like she's been injured. And then of course, Jeff Hardy, uh, the unfortunate thing that kind of came out of that episode of Rampage was his match against Sammy Guevara. He sustained a broken nose in and that they were doing concussion tests as well. So um, just healing thoughts for, for all of those things. It's definitely been frustrating on ROH because we have a lot of champions that aren't around already, right? Eddie Kingston hasn't been defending that much. Kyle Fletcher has visa issues. Now your pure champion has these issues. What is cool is that has women's wrestling has seemed very much like a priority on ROH anyway, but it's really been um, the, the pillar of everything between the TV title tournament and everything Athena's doing. It's been there. Um, so that's, that's really cool. Just best for Julia Hart and, and Wheeler. I hope that they get better. And also for Jeff Hardy, like it's, he's not a spring chicken. These things always take a minute to come back from. You certainly hope he's not concussed. That's always scary. Um, a lot of people blaming him, a lot of people blaming Sammy. To me, it looked like a thing that happens in wrestling. Like there's so many weird spots like that in WWE world. This happened with Shotzi Blackheart where if, I saw the spot yesterday. I'm watching NXT. If she hadn't grabbed her leg, there's no way you would have been like, she got injured at that moment in time. Like it was just a weird landing that tore her MCL, a standing landing, which like, I feel like that rarely happens on. So sometimes injuries just happen in wrestling. It ultimately doesn't matter whose fault it is. Like that's part of the ball game here, but uh, Ryan, I'll throw it back to you people, first. Real quick before I want, I want you to hear what you want to say, but I just want to say the Shotzi thing. Cause I saw it too. I've seen people, in wrestling land from much higher and in much uglier positions and do nothing to their legs. And she just drops a little bit. Literally the drop down she did is what most people do to exit the ring. Legit. And just gone. It, it's, it's crazy. Awful. Nine months. Oh, sorry to interrupt. I just, that was one no, of the no, craziest no, injuries okay. I've ever seen because it was literally nothing. I was throwing it to you anyway uh, about, yeah, that, that spot was, it was so benign looking. You would never guess it would result in a torn MCL and a nine month absence for someone who was kind of just refinding creative footing in WWE again. But um, any thoughts, Ryan, on anything to do with Julia or Wheeler um, or, or Jeff Hardy here it definitely sucks with the TBS championship, the ROH pure title. It just sucks that it went from Shibata to Wheeler because Shibata couldn't wrestle. And now here we are again. Um, so just put it on the, Josh Woods, like I've been saying, but uh, your thoughts. I'm on with you. Here. So a couple of things here, the injuries wise sucks for Julia, but I am hopeful like you are that it's not anything serious because they're, they're keeping it on her. And I got to give Tony Khan credit. He doesn't pivot quickly when there's an injury, he, he tries to at least see if I can ride this out until it's possible. Sometimes too long as we've seen with other belts, but if, if it's possible, he will. So hopefully hers isn't too long. Cause she was really hitting her stride. I mean, people were all about her. Uh, you know, Yuda's doesn't seem to be super serious because he's wrestling in Mexico. Jeff yeah, Hardy's like you weeks, said, yeah. yeah, Jeff Hardy's like you said, was one of, um, one of those freak things that happened. I watched it, the clip. I mean, it just looked like Sammy maybe rotated slightly awkward. Jeff's knees were in a place they were supposed to be, but they just hit weird. And it just, it's wrestling. It's you're doing something you're not supposed to do. It's going to happen. All I want to say is you point out that the women's division is carrying ROH and they are, they have been the, the most consistent division in ROH with the best stories. Literally the, the Athena 
universe in our age. And I call it universe because there's Billy Starks, there's now Nyla down there feuding with her. There's that has just been amazing. On the so there's not nearly the competition on the men's side. That no, I mean women's and then. But if you were going to there's there's a uh, Dalton Castle, his work with with and someone who's starting to get up to that level is Ethan Page. Big time. His work has been in totally different than Dalton Castle, more in line with Athena's in terms of like just incredible in-ring work over and over and over again. And it was reported uh, on Fightful Select today that there was a plan for it to be Kyle Fletcher and Ethan Page. We were heading towards that title picture. So Ethan being pushed appropriately in accordance with the title that he was going for as well. Like, so his programming gets a little bit screwed up with this visa issue. Hopefully it's something they get resolved sooner than later. But, but to your point, Ethan Page doing excellent work on, on Ring of Honor. Joe? Well, injuries. Um, yeah, it's all, I feel like all those ligament tears, where it's MCL, ACL, Achilles, like there's so many of them we've seen the past couple of years in sports of just everyday moves that someone would make with a, you know, whether you plant your leg, when you turn, and something just, you know, pops or tears. Um, it just seems so common nowadays. But thankfully, you know, people aren't out for more than, you know, usually a year or less, a lot of times, right, for some of these things. So that's at least good. Uh, the RRH title thing, at least we're conditioned to be used to not seeing a lot of those belts. <laughs> be defended. So it's kind of par for the course. Boy, are we. <laughs> hey, what, yeah, we're going to save all of our title defenses for Supercar of Honor. It's, which... um, it's so frustrating because... Like with what's happening with Kyle Fletcher and Wheeler Yuta, it's like, boy, it would be nice if we just had some fucking multi-man belts around. But you've got the Bullet Club Gold Angle with the six-man belts, which have not been in ROH in forever. The tag belts were around initially with the, uh, the Kingdom, but now they are gone again. So it's like, could you just at least book the multi-man belts when we don't have access to our champion and quite literally on a different continent is our TV champion? But I digress. Are both of you going to Supercard? I will definitely be going to Supercard. Like maybe. Right next door, Ryan. Hop. Well, I want to make like I'm not. I want to see who like who's going and whatnot. We'll make a plan. Yeah, like I I judged ROH before you were even watching ROH, so yeah. I mean, that's (laughs) fair. I was like two summers ago. I was like, "Mm, you're going. Um, I've been to more ROH than I had AEW for a long time. So <laughs> it's true, it's true. I'll definitely be there. I'll be uh, a lot of places WrestleMania weekend. I think so. I, um, I would love to know the science behind the injuries. By the way, because when I was rehabbing my knee when I was a teenager, I had a, my physical therapist said to me the reason a lot of uh, women soccer players tore their ACLs was their hamstrings were so much stronger than their quads that the imbalance messed with the leg and the way things were pulling and i don't know if that was even true if he was or was it just seems to me like there's something in the train especially in wwe side because it seems like a plague at the moment but there just to be something in the way they're training some muscle there's not a balance or something they're not evenly training that's why he gets called a nerd while i'm watching you guys push your glasses up there ryan 
I wonder what's going on with the science. I wish I had fucking white tape. (laughs) I would give anything to have white tape right now. (laughs) You'd have to explain sports injuries and then tell it to get the tables. That's right. That's right. 100%. I'll send Kate through a table. You wish. I could power bomb Ryan. No problem. Here's the, I, you know why I know that's not true? And it's this, I can't assist you like you need to be assisted in wrestling. That is so you. generous of you to say that's the reason I will take it. But before we kind of close out this part of the show, we'll talk about one other thing. There are as many free agents as we have coming in, the TNA drama and some just general free agency uh, on the market is is kind of creeping up. Steve Acklin, his contract is going to be up this year. Obviously, Deanna is in AEW. The grizzled young vets don't seem to be super locked in at the moment. Josh Alexander, they exercised his clause against his will, hoping that he gets a G1 run for him there. Um, but there's there's a lot. Alex Hammerstone's out there. Mustafa Ali is still out there. Um, what else? What else? There were a few more that came up. Was it Jake something? I don't think it was Jake something. I forget who else. But we have a lot of people that are unhappy with TNA and with the Scott Demore departure, um, or firing, I should more accurately say. There are people that are unhappy, and I think there's going to be people that probably request their release. Um, it feels like a very loaded roster, but uh, I think there's a lot of couples that like working together. So I could see Steve Macklin coming into to AEW at some point down the line. Um, Josh Alexander, when his contract is up, he's going to be one of the most sought after free agents, I think, in a long time. They exercised, they basically franchise tagged him. Uh, they exercised that clause, even though he was willing to renegotiate with them, TNA, which is just a, a shitty thing to do. But any interest on Grizzled Young Vets for the tag division seems like a no brainer to me. I would love, love, love to see that at all in. Um, Mustafa Ali is just one of my favorite talents in the world. So of course you're going to see me shilling out for him. Uh, I, I just think the world of him, I think he's excellent. Um, but free agents that are still on the market that AEW hasn't sucked up or seemingly hasn't sucked up yet. Any thoughts on that TNA grouping that I just mentioned? I just think it's been interesting just to see how cyclical it's been with the free agent market where, I feel like, you know, a few years ago, WWE was, you know, a lot of people were coming out, out of their contracts and they wanted to get out because of bad creative or whatever else was going on. So you had a lot of those people jump ship over to AEW. You had, obviously, AEW people jump back to you know, WWE and elsewhere. Uh, now it's, it's almost like it's TNA's turn to go through this. And um it's going to be, be really interesting, but they do have like a lot of talent, and I'm I'm hoping that they can find places like you know AEW WWE to get a little bit more exposure since TNA is you know obviously hard to watch for a lot of people because it's just not available. Uh, so they have a they do have a heck of a roster over there. They do. There's a lot of really great teams, especially in that tag division. Uh, ABC is so great. GYV has had a, a really fun program with them as time has gone on. A lot of really great talent, a lot of really great TNA talent. And also we saw it, but one of the most unified locker rooms that is out there, right? seems like 
of all the egos and attitudes that there are, and I'm sure they exist in TNA because it's a wrestling program. They kind of fit into that New Japan thing, though, where you're like, it must get squashed quickly or they are a really, really tight ship over there because we don't hear about it so consistently. Um, in AEW's defense here, it's been like the least dramatic start to 2024 ever. Like, there's so much drama everywhere else. That I think if you had told me that six months ago, I would have laughed at you. But like, there really hasn't been any AEW <laughs> drama, just instability at every other major promotion, which we talked about last week. But um, Ryan, same same for you. Any any talent that you would want to see coming in? I, I feel like with these rosters getting so bloated, it's not only like there's so much great talent, like Michael Oku, for example, and and Rev Pro. We just saw it this weekend, like. Definitely a TV ready talent, but there's is there space realistically anymore is something that you have to to take into account. So any talent that you see coming in and where where the hell do you start putting people? So it's a typical question because obviously there's talent you want, but where do you put them is is the issue, like you said. Uh I would also I forget where I was. Oh, I would also point out one of the advantages TNA locker room has over other locker rooms is just the amount of time they're around each other. TNA is not around each other nearly as much. They come in. Same they shoot with leave. New Japan, right? It's funny yeah. when you're not weekly episodic how much less drama there is. <laughs> it's almost like seeing people a lot gets really uh gets tiresome. It's tiresome. So I mean Mustafa is such a slam dunk for anywhere that it seems you almost feel like you have to. This is the whole debate on there's a couple debates with AEW. One ROH will always be one because if you could get ROH to be just ROH talent, I mean, which I think the only way that happens is if they get an actual deal where that's worked in and they get paid for it. Not even a ton, just enough to at least cover the cost of ROH uh, or come close to make it. It's It still might be a loss leader, but maybe not to the extent. Then someone like Michael Oku could go there first and, he fit in perfectly. That's why TNA was so great as an existing, because that's a great place for Oko to go. Um, ignoring that for a second, the R. What's that? Or UK still, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So ignoring the 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 ROH issue, because that's a big one, which solves almost every problem if you figure that out. If they figure out their tag and trios divisions and make them matter a lot more, you solve a lot of your roster bloating issues. Because suddenly, a lot of those guys at your, like right now, we have a great non-title tag feud between FTR and Moxley and Claudio. It's a it's non-title, which is great. I'm glad it has nothing to do with it. What? You're smart. Uh, I just I no, I got a. Uh, I was looking no. at my notes, and my sister texted me, and I sent her a picture of Takeshita because she has a crush on him, and he looked very nice today. And he, she goes, who's the blonde bitch next to him? I'll fuck her up. He's my Cinnabon. So that's how far the lore is. I was just trying to keep track of my notes and then oh. up comes. <laughs> I just, fair enough, that blonde bitch. Um, so, you know, if you have you have a non-title feud there. So what does that do? It takes Moxley and Claudio out of the singles picture. Let them have a tag run. You know, you bring in Grizzled Young Vets. There's still so many teams for them to feud. There's teams they're not using, but also teams you could build up together. You go to the trios division and actually make it matter, then someone like Jay White starring in the trios division isn't a big deal. He's just in the sure. trios division. So you solve a lot. And that's three guys at a shot that you're taking out of the singles but putting into something meaningful. So if they just devote more time to those two divisions, they solve all their bloating problems. Plus, 
you gain the advantage that if someone gets hurt, you know, or someone has to take time off for any reason, you know, look, Adam Cole is hurt. So I won't jinx someone. I'll say Adam Cole is hurt. But you had big plans for Adam Cole and he's hurt. And you're like, we need someone to fill in or, or step up. You have, you can pull from a tag team. You can pull from a trio and say, sorry, the singles guy who we've been kind of putting over here is now coming back, sure. especially from trios. It's a lot easier from trios. You're just pulling one guy. So it seems like you could fit. I mean, I, how do you turn down Steve Macklin? How do you turn down Josh Alexander? How do you turn down these, these insane talents? But the only way it works is if you use the divisions you have that are built to take multiple men at a time and fill them out and let them be done properly. And they seem to, the trios is still kind of a disaster, but the tag is seeming to be rebuilt. Again, you're having tag feuds that have nothing to do with the title. You have a couple different tag teams now. You know, you know, you have Top Light, you have a private party, you have FTR, you have Moxley and Claudio, you have the Young Bucks, you have Big Bill and Starks at least for right now. Like you, you see, because Big Bill and Starks is perfect. They didn't have a singles run for Starks, so they gave him the title. If the tag team division had been booked better at that time, that would have been awesome. Sure, I just am still stuck on the fact that you said that they're built to take many men because. I would say the same thing about you, buddy, but all salient points, all salient points. And that's the kind of great wrestling insight and analysis that you get here on the Mark Order podcast, but also on the Shining Wizards Network, where we are accompanied by several other wonderful shows. And I'm going to stall a little bit because I'm going to give Ryan some time to sell. I'm ready. Whenever you want to go. Oh, good. Okay. So uh, I'll, I'll just say that we're the best show in the whole wide world but if you want to check out some other stuff after you've already listened to us there's some other shows that you're going to want to see and they're right here on the shining a wizards a network thank you every one of you for tuning in every monday night to listen to the shining wizards if you'd like to continue to support us outside of listening we've got a few ways for you to do that If you shop at Amazon, go over to Amazon.ShiningWizards.com, do your shopping as usual, and when you make your purchase, a little bit of that purchase price will go back to support the show. If you like to wear t-shirts, Merch.ShiningWizards.com will take you to our Pro Wrestling Tees store, where we've got over a dozen great designs from over 11 years of professional wrestling podcasting. You can become a Patreon supporter at Patreon.com slash Wizards Podcast, where each and every week we call out your name as one of our show producers, and the more you support us, the more things that you're entitled to receive and believe me they are fantastic if you can't support us monetarily if you don't shop at amazon that's absolutely fine continue to listen to us wherever you listen to us on the world wide web and make sure you like rate review subscribe do all that good stuff doesn't cost you anything helps us out and we can continue to bring you the love fest that is the shining wizards What's up, folks? It's your boy, the Impact Player, Mr. Philly Ray, inviting all of you to check out the Turnbuckle Throwbacks Wrestling Podcast. Join us as we cover all things current in the world of pro wrestling, as well as paying homage to the old school, the squared circle. So listen in and find out why we are the recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment broadcasting. Find us on all social media platforms and anywhere you get your podcast from. And as always, we are the proudest members of the Shining Wizards Network and Rant Entertainment Media. Are you tired of being lied to every day by the mainstream media? Do you want to know what's really going on in the world? Do you want to make up your own mind about things and not be told what to think or say? Then listen to Inconclusive Breakdown, a weekly anti-PC look at the world of entertainment and current events brought to you without censorship or filters. You can find us everywhere you listen to podcasts, BitChute, and on ShiningWizardsNetwork.com. And also, we're a proud member of the Shining Wizards Network.
Got 30 minutes to kill? Come check out 30 Screams or Less, where we review a horror movie in 30 minutes or less. We cover new movies and old ones, too. We'll give our honest thoughts on the movie, good or shit, as well as a rating of each one that we watch. New episodes weekly, available on the Shining Wizards Network and wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm Steve. And I'm Corey. Come check us out at 30 Screams or Less. G'day guys, my name is Thomas, one half of the Broadcast Podcast. With our podcast, we go back and watch wrestling events from WWE, WWF, WCW, ECW, AEW, and many other wrestling promotions. You can check us out on Twitter at the Broadcast, that's T-H-E-B-R-O-K-A-S-T, and you can also download all episodes on Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Castro, and many other podcast apps. Like your music heavy, then check out Radioactive Metal on the Shining Wizards Network. For over 16 years now, Radioactive Metal has been one of the longest running podcasts. Over the years, we've interviewed some legendary metal acts, had some awesome discussions, and cranked a hell of a lot of tunes. So join your cool Uncle Snowy and his co host, Aaron. For the audio mosh pit that is radioactive metal here on the Shining Wizards Network. Well, the action is underway. What's up, everyone? When on the Shining Wizards Network, be sure to check out Wrestling Night in Canada. If we're not recording another kick-ass podcast... Or playing in punk bands. Or recording kick-ass heavy metal albums. Then we're sitting back, we're grabbing a couple brews, and going over everything to do in the world of pro wrestling. Because we're from Winnipeg, you idiots. The Mark Order Podcast is the only show you need if you're looking for dedicated coverage of everything AEW on the Shining Wizards Network. Join us live on YouTube every Wednesday night at 10.15 p.m. Eastern after Dynamite to chat along with the show. If you can't join us live, listen to us on your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on all social channels at MarkOrderPod and use the hashtag JoinTheMarkOrder because if you don't find us, we will find you. I'm Kevin Rowe. I'm Al Day. And we're a couple of down-under pounders that co-host... Dots, an action figure collecting podcast where we talk about, well, just about anything that tickles our fancy at any given moment. We're grumpy old men, and sometimes people get on our nerves, and when you get on our nerves, guess what? You get off the lawn. Get off my lawn, asshole! We also go on a little bit of a mission. We go back and we're grading every wrestling figure line that's out there. I'm talking LJMs. I'm talking Jacks. I'm talking Hasbros. Who doesn't like a little Hulkaplex? It's a Gorilla Brain Wrestling Podcast production found on the Shining Wizards Network. I'm Duke Bags. Kevin Rowe! And together we are the co-hosts of your Duke Road. If you want to hear about some terrible wrestling shows, we got you covered. 
Well, we talk about good ones, too. We're currently talking about the death of WCW. I know what we're fucking talking about. Sometimes we get uh, guest spots, like from the Taskmaster. I like to uh, I like to listen to the Year of Duke and Rope podcast. They're uh, funny guys. That uh, I like when they I like when they talk about the the, the Nards plows. I like Nards plows. That's uh, that's a good move. And uh, I like the Dungeon of Doom. You know, sometimes sometimes I, I call my butt the Dungeon of Doom. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Oklahoma. Let me tell you a little bit about my favorite wrestling podcast. All right. It's a podcast for two men. Two men, Duke Banks, Kevin Rhodes. They talk about professional wrestling. It's a man's sport. All right? And who better to talk about a man's sport than Duke Oklahoma. And once in a while, Vince Russo is talking about Oh, you piece of shit! If you're not listening to your Duke and Rhodes podcast in the back with the boys, you piece of shit, I don't know what you're doing. Uh, you got to slide one in there. If you're a man, if you're a man, you're talking about something only a man can do. You're talking about sliding one in there. Bro, take the time to slide one in there. All right, bro, you piece of shit. Slide one in there. A Gorilla Brain Wrestling podcast production that you can find on the Shining Wizards Network. Yes, you can find all those wonderful shows on the Shining Wizards Network. You can also support the Shining Wizards every Monday night. They are the reason that we were on this fantastic network in the first place. So give them a quick shout out, even though we're the best. But they did some really fun uh, interviews of late, more comprehensive overall show there as well. So check them out. Give them some love. But look, if you're going to put your money behind a brand. It's our brand, okay? It's the Mark Order podcast. You know what they don't have on Monday nights? Women. Because they don't support women. Here, these guys support women, and you can support women too. By buying a t-shirt from the Mark Order podcast. If you want me to continue to be able to vote, if you want me to be able to have a choice if I'm accidentally knocked up, you need to go to pro wrestling tees. <laughs> I'm unhinged. We're having fun. Go on over to pro wrestling tees and search for the Mark Order podcast. Our four beautiful designs come right up. You've got your double sided. You've got your single sided. Pocket square double sided. My favorite one was also Ant's favorite one. I know when he was here, but our beautiful, stunning logo right there. And your friends will be like, oh my gosh, what a cool t-shirt. Tell me all about it. And you'll be like, oh my God, it's a super fun podcast I listen to every Wednesday. And they talk all things all elite. You should listen to it. And you should buy a t-shirt. And then everyone will buy a t-shirt and we'll be millionaires. When did everyone become Tiffany Stratton? That's not how Tiffany Stratton talks. Tiffany Stratton talks up here. You were getting close there for a little bit. (laughs) No, that was more, that was almost more Kardashian, if anything. But the point is support women, buy a Mark Order t shirt. Yeah, I'm bringing the bit back, okay? We're down a man these few weeks. I'm bringing back the bits. Support for more gals. women. The percentage is higher of women now. It's true. Yeah, we are 33 and a third percent gals. 
Uh, and speaking of gals, we had two women's matches on AEW Dynamite tonight, which was refreshing to see. We've seen that on Collision a few times. And I gotta say, tonight felt like the very worst episode of Collision to me. I did not like tonight's episode of Wrestling Television, but the format and the structure felt very much like Collision. Um, from the opening tag match that had a ton of time to getting multiple women's matches, um, I just... There was a lot of this that was not for me. Uh, I don't ever need to see Ric Flair or Jake Hager on my screen, quite frankly. Uh, but I'm interested to know uh, what you guys thought, because overall, I love Collision. I think what this means is that magic is stored probably in the stage of Collision and probably in the commentary of Nigel McGinnis, who does make the world better by telling you about Vulcan. And then you can go and research things like rings. But Joe, did you notice that too? Did you feel like we were almost colliding more on this on this night of AEW Dynamite? And what were your thoughts kind of overall? I I did not love what we got tonight. Joe's muted. <laughs> I was like, am I broke? <laughs> Joey still can't hear you. Joe, you're mute. Did you hate the show that much? Joe went to commercial. We can never hear him again. I'll throw it to Ryan and maybe Joe can can okay. fiddle around with what's going on over there with his audio. But did you feel like this was Collision Minus Nigel Beginus in the great stage? And did you have problems with tonight's episode overall? No and no. I get why you thought it was collision because it was more wrestling than some of the other stuff, but I think that's the way dynamite's been trending anyway. So I think this is closer to a standard stat uh, what we'll see from dynamite going forward versus this being collision. I think it's just they've realized who they are as a company. This is kind of closer to what dynamite used to be, which is a lot of wrestling and a couple segments thrown in. Maybe we need a little bit more chaos if we want to get back to the, and not just the group, but the, the, um, uh, the, 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 the feeling of restoring the feeling. Is that what we're talking about here? Yes. But I mean, again, it just didn't feel like collision to me. Collision has its own. Plus, a lot of the guys that wrestle on Collision, do they wrestle tonight? I'm trying to think, FTR. But I just meant that. more like the format. Like we had a very long tag match to open things. Um, two women's matches, multi-man main event. Two women's matches is the only thing that to me the, the format change because the rest just all feels similar to me. But I don't really pay attention to that as much. Uh, well, I enjoyed sure. tonight for the most part. There's a couple parts that I have some issues with, but for the most part, I, I highly enjoyed myself. I Listen, I have a theory on one of the things I know you hate, and I still hate it, but I have a theory that might make it a little bit more palatable. Still not good. And listen, Hager was stupid, but they won at the hometown pop. Woohoo. Well, let's start mm -hmm. with something that I thought was good, but did not like the ending booking of. We had a really, really fun match between... FTR and the Blackpool Combat Club, specifically John Moxley and Claudio. And I really liked a lot of what we got in this match. I just didn't love going to a time limit draw again. You've now had multiple time limit draws 
You've had more in the past month than you have had the entire C2, which I thought was really funny. But um, some really, really good stuff in this. I liked the double sharpshooter spot. I thought that was very fun. Um, but this ends with Moxley uh, getting sent to the ropes and about to suffer the shatter machine when the sound of the bell hits here. Uh, I don't need time limit draws as often. I feel like one thing AEW does very well is when they go to the well on things like time limit draws, things like triple threats, they're spaced out and they're rare enough. And something like a time limit draw, especially, I, I don't like that because it was too, both things were too included in the story around the same match thing that happened, right? Like, this was a very big deal on the Hangman Swerve story. It's becoming a big deal here. Um, I get wanting to keep things evenly matched, and I get now you have to manage rankings and stuff, right? But um, I just don't need to go to the the time limit draw well that that often and that close together. Uh, find a different way. That felt very lazy to me. But the match itself was a lot of fun. These guys all kind of speak the same language, all very old school. One thing that's so great about Claudio, and I know um, dear Kylie mentioned this on on Twitter X, whatever it is, like Claudio getting pissed off is so much fun because one, he's a big dude. And two, like, he's so cool and like ice in his veins, assassiny that like when he kicks it up a notch, he wasn't at a seven jumping to a 10. He was at like a four jumping to a 10. And that makes it so much more impactful and intimidating. And I, I love that. Um, let's see if Joe has gone oh, to the evil sea witch. Hopefully you can hear me. Hey, there he is. I was going to say, did you see Ursula? Did you get your voice back? Um, what were your Lush thoughts on our crap, I just match? got that joke. Keep up. That's not our preference. I'm just, so, I'm just so like clever and so funny and so That wasn't my movie. It. I was more of an Aladdin guy. Oh, I mean, a solid choice. I can't complain. Mm -hmm. But... Joe, I can complain about the booking of this match. Yeah. I didn't like the ending. I don't like going to a time limit draw, but the in-ring I loved, and it obviously got a ton of time because of that. This wasn't like up there with Bullet Club Gold versus FTR for me, but I get what they were going for. Like this felt very much like a let's let these guys who are the best in the world at what they do go at this, uh, give them a ton of time and a ton of breathing room. I just don't like going back to the time limit draw well so soon after they just did it, and they just talked about it last week. What were your thoughts on our opener here? Yeah, couldn't agree more about the time limit draw take. Uh, that, that's one of the things that popped up in my head when they kept you know, announcing the time and like they're really going to do a draw. Um, so that's a little disappointing to see. The match itself was great. It was my favorite match on the card tonight by far, um, mainly because of you know, the quality of the match and then also the people in the match. Sure. Uh, I, I really thought FCR would get the win. I thought maybe... You know, them being the experienced tag team should get the win, kind of heat them up a little bit more if the Bucks ever win the titles off of Darby and Sting. Um, you know, set that set that match up down the line with uh with FCR getting a good win over BCC. Um, sure. I'm interested to kind of see where where the storyline goes. Um it it felt like it's not much of a a big story other than like just testing one's you know metal against each other uh i don't know but anything else but that's fine it, it works 
Um, and, you know, we got to see Mox bleed. He hasn't bled in a while, I don't think. It's true. It's true. So, um, yeah, it's, I I did like some of the things that FCR was doing. Um, Would you like yeah. to call any spots? Yeah, 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 no, yeah. please do. The the little, you know, the old-fashioned abdominal stretch and then reach out and then grab your partner's arm for leverage. And that's Always a good spot. Classic Always a good spot. Tag team matches. And the fact that, like, you know, Cash always holds on to that tag rope before the tag. No. Makes me happy, too. Tag team cinema. So. Tag team cinema. That's exactly what we got out of the gate here. I will also just, uh, because Ryan's not allowed to and would never dream of calling a spot, the paradigm shift into the Brain Buster spot I thought was really, really fun as well. Um, and the near fall off the crucifix I thought was a really fun spot as well. So, Really good in-ring, just was not a fan of the way this sucker got booked. But I am a fan of what we get next here because it involves the wonderful Renee Paquette. Do I not get an opinion on the match? Is this how this goes now? Oh, gosh. We I, just thoroughly covered it, so we just you know, moved on. Yeah, do, do, you're going to complain that you have nothing else to say? So honestly, what happened was I was I because you and I were talking about collision overall, and then I went to Joe. I was like, Ryan already shared in my brain. But yeah, say whatever you want to say. You'll probably be like, Oh my god, no, the timeline drop was great. The booking was so wonderful. I loved it so much. It told a good story. One, how dare you? Two, how (laughs) fucking dare you? Three, how fucking dare both of you? The story was great. First of all, they are telling a wonderful story of like a really well-matched team. Two, I was going to say that they are pushing the boundaries with the time limit draw to the point where even I, you get this one. And if you go beyond it, you're going to lose me. Ryan has an objection to something that happened on the show. Let's go. I prefer time limit draw over interference, but you have to be able to get out of a match differently than this. The one thing I liked about this versus other time limit draws was at the end, there wasn't a, hey, can we get five minutes more? They just started fighting again, which I don't think we've seen, I think. But every other time limit draw has been like either, oh, we'll shake hands or whatever, or give me more time. So I like that. I'd also ask the chat's opinion. Oh, by the way, hi, Jesse Ozog. I guess I'll acknowledge you. Hi, Jesse Ozog. Um, but... I asked the chat's opinion on it and how you guys feel about them going to the time limit draw because I saw mixed reactions on that tonight. Uh, a lot, some people really hate it, some people were okay with it. I, I do think this is, I am on the leaning negative, and if you do it again, you've definitely got me negative. Um, you're in the. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> yes, that's a that's a perfect. That is where we are. Uh, I don't care about the chat. I'm turning heel on you. Share your opinions. Don't share your opinions. You're not on this podcast. You're not a part of this podcast. You're there to observe us. Just kidding. We love you. Please buy a t-shirt. Um, no. Wow. <laughs> I wow. am intrigued because I saw a lot, a lot of people that were like basically in your camp, Ryan. Honestly, I'm just like, come on. Don't do this again. Um, but not as like eye-rolly as I was about it. So um, it was more a, more a creative slap on the wrist is what I saw. But uh, yes, high that, one that's... LT photo too, by the way. I see seeing people coming in over. So thank you for your service as always. Um, but we're going to move along to what I thought was a really 
great job by the wonderful, lovely, darling, remarkable Renee Paquette. Um, well, hold on. This man no sells you every week, okay? Just because I wanted to... Hey, can you read the comment for me, please? I mean, Ryan was the first to say hi, so I guess... Oh, what happened? My screen went weird. It's Renee was backstage with Orange Cassidy, uh, and she gives what I thought was a really good, intelligent, journalistic uh, interview with Orange Cassidy, talking about the rivalry between the best friends of the kingdom, referencing the death match last week, saying how, like, in recent weeks, his schedule has gotten cranked up again. He came into this uh, title reign a little bit fatigued from his last one, wondering if he's cleared after such a violent match. And thankfully, Doc is just very conveniently hanging out there and says he is minimally medically cleared, meaning he is barely medically cleared. And Orange Cassidy says, means I'm cleared. I'm taking the, the match with Mike Bennett. Uh, so some good stuff in this. I really liked this. Uh, minimal medical clearance is what uh, the technical phrase was. Uh, Renee says that that's insane. But I love that Cassidy is just like, it's a yes or no question. There you go. Like you said, I'm cleared. I'm going to go take the fight. Love what we get here. Ryan's chomping at the bits to talk. What do you got? I have an issue with one thing you said. You 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 insinuated that it was crazy that the doctor would just be standing there to, to give his opinion. However, I'm going to say that Renee is just excellent at her job and knew she'd be bringing up health and Orange Cassidy's health. And so she brought the doctor into the interview area so she could get a comment. Because Renee is that damn good. She kind of like I'm, summoned him from off screen, but. Well, because she put him to the side and said, stay here until I need you. How are you going to criticize her work? Her work. I'm not criticizing not her work. I'm just saying uh, the direction of the segment was a little weird because usually you don't have doctors declaring clearance in an interview <laughs> while it's happening. So that's uh, a little bit awkward. He declared it first. She knew that, but she wanted it on air because she is that damn good. Okay, well, She's what did you think of the rest of the segment? I love that they're giving some story here where the United uh, Undisputed Kingdom, sorry, the Undisputed Kingdom is taking out Orange Cassidy's friends one by one. I think that's an excellent story. And I, I think that, and I, you've been seeing it if you've been watching how he's been losing a friend per week. But as we've learned over many days online, People sometimes need something spelled out for them. So it doesn't hurt in this case to spell it out for people to be like, hey, they're eliminating all your friends. What are you going to do? You know, you raised a good just... point. I didn't even know who this doctor was. They probably should have had a vignette for him. So just like need to know more about him. But Joe, enough about Ice Cube's weird kid. <laughs> Let's talk about your thoughts on this segment. I uh, would love to know them. I, I'm enjoying the story. It feels kind of similar to the story they've told about Orange's you know, earlier run with his IC title, with, um, with you know, building the injuries up and being beaten down. It also plays into the what Undisputed Kingdom does as far as eliminating friends, similar to what they did with MJF and eliminating his friends. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of similarities of how they go about their methodical attacks. So um, I like the story they're telling. I like how, you know, Renee and also as we will talk in the match, the announcers are really kind of playing up this story uh, of Orange being kind of in 
disrepair. That is a very astute point about the methodical ways that the devils take out people and vice versa. I appreciate it. And uh, you're smarter than Ryan. I, I'm not even wearing glasses. I know. My goodness. My goodness. But following the segment, we get footage from the Rev Pro show, which was very cool to see. Um, we had a lot of AEW talent, now AEW talent on this Rev Pro show, and Tony Khan hanging out there. Wow. You intimidated my light into turning off. I'm going to be honest, I can't see anything that's going on. So if you guys aren't reacting, if you're <laughs> reacting, I, I, I can't you see, see a damn thing. You see that? For I'm assuming second, you're doing something rude, but no. For the second night in a row, my dog has been laying on my power strip. And she has both managed to kill my charger and turn off my white girl light in one movement. So shout out to her. But what I was saying was, <laughs> as I get my lighting back here, um, would you? You're such a weird little potato. Um, the Rev Pro Show saw some really, really good stuff. Uh, we had Will Ospreay versus Michael Oku, which we talked about before, which was just a fantastic match. Like some of the best independent wrestling storytelling that you'll ever see. And then the match itself was incredibly well executed. Um, ZSJ versus Connor Mills, but Orange Cassidy showing up with his international title was a big piece of this. Tony Khan was at the show marking out, which was awesome. He was during the Osprey match, like freaking out. Darby Allen was sitting with him. Uh, it was very cool to see a wrestling promoter just being a fan. Um, he does not. I know people are like, you need to act like the owner of a company. But uh, I say, if I'm a billionaire, I act however the fuck I want. So good on him. But we do see footage of that, which is really cool for RevPro. Uh, check out RevPro On Demand if you want to expand your wrestling viewing they do a really good job the production felt very major league like the uk indies are not <laughs> a lot of what the u.s indies are they do some some really high quality work so very cool stuff there but um we move on to alex marvez who's backstage with ftr and said that they were 10 seconds away from winning that match and dax harwood Lays out a challenge for Revolution when Claudio and Mox come in, held back by officials, and they are arguing before anything could be officially set. So um, I like this based on what's going on with the tag picture. I think this could be like a very fun cool down match between a lot of stuff, or it could be a really fun zero hour match. Like this feels a little bit more exhibition, but it's two of the most beloved teams and four of the best talent that you have in AEW. I'm sure that does get set. Um, I don't think it necessarily needs bigger stakes than than what it is. I think it's just something people are going to want to see. So let's give it to them. Joe, any thoughts on uh, the RevPro footage or this backstage with Alex Marvez? Would you like let's to borrow my login? Me. Yeah, let Tony Tom be a fan. I, I mean, if you look at other owners of, of, of sports teams, they 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 go wild in their, their suites and their boxes as well. So whatever. Um, but all the highlights I've seen from the Red Pro show looked amazing. I'll have to try to find, uh, go back and try to find and watch that on demand. You can, you can have my login if you want. Okay. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, the uh, the match between FCR and BCC, I think, like you said, it's a good filler match where, you know, they don't have a lot going on right now. They're kind of in that holding pattern. So, like, having them. Face off against each other just to, to see who's better. Uh, 
it'll be entertaining as hell. Agreed. Agreed. I think it's just a very fun program. It's not that far off when like Mox and Eddie had a, a tag run. We were like, you're a very established singles talent, but like, damn, this is a, a fun program to have. Uh, Ryan, before I throw it to you, one LT photo I has said, Ryan, I need to know if you're doing Sting face paint because I'll wear Sting paint to Revolution if you do as well. The gauntlet has been thrown, my friend. He's going to so wear I, I put my response in the chat. One, Lieutenant Colonel photo will know next Wednesday. Ryan will have a major announcement next Wednesday regarding... Oh, no, no, no. It's not an announcement. I'm going to be flat out. Either I'm going to have paint on my face come next Wednesday or I'm not. Oh, okay. I understand. I understand. Um, I will do my best to try and get the scoop before that for you to know one LT photo, uh, but I can't I can't make well, any promises. I feel like there's one more opportunity after that. You don't, we, we'll do a pick show, like a preview. Mm -hmm. So there's that opportunity as well, Ryan. That is true. We could do, you could do a prediction show in full face paint. Or just do it Wednesday, keep it on through when we do the prediction show, and then it'll go from Stain to Darby. Oh, yeah. One LT. Smushed. How much notice do you need to get the paint, 1LT? That's that's. That's very considerate we'll of you. I have time. I have time to think about this, because it is a lot of work for it's, me. It's not. It's not that much work. You're being a coward. But more importantly, what did you think of... Actually, not more importantly. There's not really anything we're going to talk about that's more important than this contingency, this uh, stipulation that just got added to this face paint challenge. But uh, I guess uh, any thoughts on the, the Rev Pro stuff or this backstage that we got? Bullying me into doing things doesn't work because when you grow up not drinking, you, Bruh, you I bullied you onto a cruise. I can do anything. Yeah, but I secretly wanted to do that. But you secretly want to paint your face. That no, I really don't. See, this is like drinking, so I got to figure this one out. You secretly anyway. don't want to paint your face because you're not a Sting fan. You hate I'm Sting. You wow, <laughs> Sting. Sting's so disappointed. You Sting just Again, lost his dad, and you won't even face your, paint your face. Your pressure doesn't work on me. It's if your pressure doesn't work. I am debating in my head how funny I find the bit. So anyway. Repro was cool. It was cool showing all the places you could be. It extends AEW's feeling that it's more for the wider, wild, wider world of wrestling, which is important. Um, and I'm okay. I the more BCC and FTR you get, the better. I I I, I agree. No, I agree wholeheartedly. So. The more uh, this continues down the mountain, the more fun it is. I just wish they didn't find a lame stipulation to get us there. But we move on to our international championship match between Orange Cassidy and Mike Bennett. This was fun. Hey, hey, hey Kate, are there any comments in the chat you want to talk about? No. Bye. No, there's not, is there? No. Nope, there's definitely not, because someone forgot Ryan has the leading powers. I don't care. It got seen. I'll say it right here, right now. I was under the impression that Ryan, who, let's mind you, held a funeral for AEW with a veil and little gloves on, okay? A man who has worn many a wig on here wouldn't paint his face for the people when there's someone who clearly wants to participate. 
and come on board. A supporter, someone who's here every week, Ryan's like, I don't know. I have a friend that sent a tutorial on how to do this. Okay. No, the, the tutorial was not sent. It was just, this is what it looks like. And you'll, she's this offered. Is how you... She has offered. That's all I'm saying. But I guess, I don't know. I guess I just care more than Ryan. But what else is new? Um, paint your face. Orange Cassidy versus, I painted my face. I painted my face like Warhorse for no reason. Thank you very much. So she puts on makeup. I do. Look how pretty I am. Are you calling me ugly? Wow, Ryan just called me ugly and doesn't care about the chat. This is a weird episode. So, uh, we get our international title match here. Good job by commentary putting over what we talked about before that all of chaos is pretty much laid out with Trent Beretta, Rocky Romero getting, I mean, just taken out so bad he had to sign a, a backstage role. Like, he's uh, he got taken out to an office position, which is really, really cool for him, but um we have bennett in the commercial break just taking the headset from commentary to run down orange cassidy which is very very fun uh but no surprise here we get um matt taven hitting i'm sorry my notes my notes my notes gotch style pile driver for a near fall my phone's not scrolling i'm very sorry <laughs> My phone is dying. You're being mean to me. No. We get a beach break for the win. That's right. So uh, there were three pile driver attempts here. Beach break for the win. Kind of out of nowhere, which was really cool. Like, I, I like when he can hit, hit that move just, like, kind of on a blitz. It's really, really fun. But post-match, bell rings. Matt Taven hits the ring with Roddy Strong, who was going to hit a knee. But then... Here comes the savior of Oklahoma. Money, 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 money. Here money, comes money, good money. old JR. Just kidding. Here comes Jake Hager with no <laughs> that shirt on. Would have been amazing. It should have been JR. I would have popped for JR. This I did not pop for at all. Um, here comes shirtless Jake Hager for some reason. This is his first appearance that is unrelated to Jericho. <laughs> the entire time he's been at the company. I get all of his other friends are taking out. This made no sense. This was lazy, 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 which is what it felt like a lot of creative was tonight, in my opinion. Um, hey, you're from Oklahoma. Go out and save Orange Cassidy is pretty weak shit, in my opinion. But um, and it's also not even numbers, which always annoys me. I'm like, even the numbers. <laughs> you need more, more than one friend to come out. But uh, a really fun match. Mike Bennett is an extremely solid opponent. Like he's always very psychologically sound. He has a, a good move set for making other people look good. Not the flashiest dude. I don't think he's ever like had the opportunity to be the guy or like um, kind of a superstar on his own in the way that maybe he's deserved, but he's excellent at the role of um, giving somebody a really great match. And, and that's what we got here, which I think was awesome. So Good stuff all around. Beach break was great. Um, the pile drivers looked awesome from, from Mike Bennett, but we'll start with Ancy Little Ryan over there. Uh, what uh, did you think of this match? And just like, were you so excited to see Jake Hager return? I mean, I'm excited for like potentially Okada and Will Ospreay and Mercedes, but like really my heart has been like, where is Jake Hager? You know? 
feel like I'm in the club with all these shoots. Shot, 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 shot. Everybody. I thought you weren't going to uh, sing tonight. No, no, I just wasn't going to sing the rankings. I didn't say I wasn't going to sing. Get it right or pay the price. Um, yeah, that's from We're Salute all paying Shorts. the price. We're definitely paying. That's from Salute Shorts. Uh, I know. Okay, there's... There, what? Care about a lot of, we hold you in our hearts. You told me they prefer hey, hey dude over that. I I, I did. I just had like an, an attachment to hey dude. That's just absurd. But I would like play hey dude though. Like with friends in the neighborhood, it would be like we'd have like a Mr. Hey Ernst. Dude. We would just like as weird kids, like you would just like assign people characters and play stuff. We had a front fence that you could sit on, and those were our horses. Everybody wanted to be Melody because she was like the pretty blonde girl, but I was blonde, so I got to do that occasionally. But my sister was older than me, so sometimes I had to be Lucy, the probably a lesbian who just took care of the horses. That was my childhood. Back when we were a proper country. What did you think of this international title match? <laughs> I'm gonna wait, wait I, I gotta acknowledge I got Segway of the I year. Don't want, <laughs> I don't want to do this too heavily, but all I'm gonna say is from Hey Dude is they they told the riddle about the guy who uh, used an ice block to kill himself, basically, and that's how I figured. That's how I remember that riddle. Remember, he there was no chair under him. The floor was wet. How did oh, he get up? Oh yeah. And it's from Hey Dude that I know how that riddle is answered. Dang! All right, educating the masses. But um. You, you you said it. The match was wonderful. Orange Cassidy is a great wrestler. People need to acknowledge that. The uh, Mike Bennett is far better than people believe. I still remember going to ROH with you and those women just really marking out for Bennett to an, mm -hmm. to an odd extent. Yep. It was kind of strange, but uh, I mean, this is perfect. I love actually, I think commentary really did well in this match. Because they're the ones who pointed out, like, uh, again, again, they're just wearing him down. Yeah. This is all to get him to Roddy Strong as worn down as humanly possible. Like, this is a strategy. I do not understand the J.K. <laughs> thing. I mean, like, I understand they wanted the hometown pop, but I don't understand why they thought that needed to happen. Um, you and the, And here's the thing. You could have told that story in a five-second thing where, like, either Orange is standing next, like, when Orange is getting interviewed, Hager's there, and Orange, is, and Orange says something nice to him or or gives him his glasses or something just to be Yeah, cool. but then everybody would have been tipped off. You had to get the surprise aspect. Oh, yeah, you really needed that surprise aspect. Oh, You're right. That's a hometown pop, baby. Need the surprise. Um, Joe, were you as right. excited to see Jake Hager as we were? I missed the hat. <laughs> I mean, anything about Jake Hager's time in AEW, it's the hat. That's what we'll remember. Um, it, the match was solid. Uh, I like the idea of Orange having to run through um, Undisputed Kingdom. That makes sense. I like Mike Ben's work. Uh, he always kind of had, you know, up and down creative, so he never really had his booking, but never very consistent. Uh, to, I feel like to get him to where he could be, but uh, I'm glad the winger punch is still out there in his arsenal. It is. Pull that out tonight. 
important yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they called it the five on the five on two. So that was um, that was good to see. And yeah, the Hager stuff. I was surprised to see it of all people to come to make the save because it didn't make any sense to me. Other than great, you you're from an hour west of Tulsa, so <laughs> I'm hoping that it, it it leads to a tag match, obviously with you know Taven and Bennett versus OC and and Hager, and maybe they Hager takes a pin, maybe Hager turns heel on Orange and challenges him for like a rampage match or something. Hager ever face besides tonight? He was kind of in that realm, like right after they left Jericho. Yeah, and like comedic heel was. Yeah. It was technically a heel, but people were cheering for him a lot. Um, I. Because they liked his hat. He can. He and his hat can go back into whatever box he was in. I don't. I don't super need him here. Uh, but he just is not very good. Like he's really not. Like he's I'm not. not listen, the, I'm, I'm. I'm giving you a hard time, but no. Not very good, but you know who is very good? Very hardworking Renee Paquette. She does every interview on the show. Um, and she is with Angelo Parker and asks him about his date with Ruby. And he says he's excited as Ruby walks by in a dress. And Parker asks if she's ready to go to the car as it pulls up. And uh, Ruby Soho asks if that's for them. Parker says, no, they have a lift, and we see Ric Flair getting out of the car. <sighs> Let me tell you, you want to kill an episode for me, put Jake Hager and Ric Flair back to back. <laughs> I do like Taz being like, I do like Taz being like, he got a lift. Yeah. <laughs> that was Taz is so great. Like, um, embarrassment of riches on the commentary desk, and I don't I don't need to harp on it because we we do talk about it a lot, but um between Taz and Excalibur and Nigel and having even Riccoboni around, like it's it's a really, really solid desk. But Taz, like unmatched personality-wise, like his vibe is so great. Um, but this does lead us to an interview with Ric Flair. And look, I'm not excited about Ric Flair being here. I don't like Ric Flair. I don't need him on my programming. Sexual misconduct aside, he's also nine million years old and not we just it's not necessary like he's he might be weekend at bernie's at this point like we do not need him on television but i will say this segment was probably the best that we've seen and this might be the best creative direction that they could head with what is coming down the mountain so uh this was not rick flair talking aimlessly for 12 minutes and making weird comments about teenagers this was him saying that he feels like he was supposed to be involved in Sting's last match. He's barely been involved. I liked that because it plays into the reality of the fact that he was supposed to be and nobody really wants to see him, but we have seen a ton of involvement from Darby, right? So this felt kind of the right way to play into real life. And um, he says he's going to go explore his options and he goes to meet the Young Bucks. Now, if this ends up being Sting getting cost by Ric Flair because Ric Flair turns on Sting one last time. To me, that's probably the best creative direction that you can go with something uh, that's going to involve Ric Flair at this point. I think that's probably the best call. It would also justify Sting losing the titles and going out on his back properly without pissing off the crowd as much. Uh, but Ryan, you're a Sting guy and you're definitely wearing face paint next week. So 
Um, what did you think of this segment? And is that the creative direction you want to see it go? Or do you think they should just win and vacate it and call it a day? No, they need to lose the titles, but I don't, I mean, your, your direction might be the one they go in because it would be so fitting for Sting's last match to once again be betrayed by Ric Flair. However, I wonder if on the way there we get a, like next week or Saturday, we get a promo from the, the, the EVPs showing a bloody beat up Ric Flair. Ooh, not mad about that. Not mad about yeah. that. Uh, Joe, what are your thoughts on this segment and this creative angle? And also, since we're talking about it, do you think this main event? Because I feel like it's just going to be the biggest deal. I don't know how you follow this up uh, with anything else, but it does feel like the triple threat should main event. Maybe you do this and have a cool down match. Maybe FTR versus Mox and Claudio comes in between, and then you have... Uh, the triple threat, but where do you place this on the card? It feels like such a special and unique thing. I would place it, I would make it the main event because that's what you kind of built this whole pay-per-view around from the very start was it's Sting's final match and it should be the final match on the card, I think. And with you know, Matthew and Nicholas Jackson involved, it makes sense. It could be a main event match. Um, the segment tonight, it was logical. I was wondering how long it's going to take Rick to get out of the Jeep. It took <laughs> He's going to tear something. He's going to tear his MCL or ACL. I mean, uh, honestly, I'm I'm in my mid thirties and it hurts me. You know what I mean? Right? So God, God bless him for being able to, I guess. And you know, it's fun <laughs> to kind of think about what way this will go with Flair. If he does end up, you know, crossing sting the match, or if like Ryan says, you know, he just be up, be up by the EVPs, or or we get that, we get the, no. I could see the Jacksons doing the "I love you, I'm sorry" super kiss. Hundred percent, they have to. They right? have to. So, feels feels like the so, right thing to do, especially with the young bucks and their super kicks. <laughs> so, a com- combination of our theories is: Does Flair no. turn on? Turn on no theory. Not too bad. Does no. Flair I don't turn want on? Too bad. Awesome you have theory? to like Lincoln Parker. You accept it. Um, does does Flair turn on Sting? Final match. Bucks win, and then they turn to the camera and do that. I love. I'm sorry. I love you. With Flair not paying attention, and then as soon as he turns around, they double super kick him. That could be fun. That could be fun. Either way, the spot has to happen. Like it's just, yeah, it's too perfect to not have happen. But. Um, I'm excited for for that. It's such a special thing, and it's been said and reiterated, so I don't want to spend a ton of time on it. But like the way Sting went out in WWE, the fact that we've gotten this run is so special. Like it's it's just awesome. So glad he gets to go out on his terms or close to his terms because he did not want to be a tag team champion. Um, but it's it's special that he's in the record books. I get why they were insistent upon that. So we move on to what I think is a really fun segment. And I got to say, I keep being like, I think it's time for Christian to drop the title. And then every time he does something, I'm like, God, he's so fucking good at this. (laughs) But we have Tony Schiavone and Danny Garcia in the ring. And they talk about Adam Copeland last week and him being unable to compete here. Um, 
And Tony Schiavone says that means Garcia gets this TNT title shot against Christian Cage at Revolution. The crowd is nuts for it. Daniel Garcia is so over. This is an unbelievably productive example of how losing in a tournament can can be so great for you. Like I, I feel like since the beginning of the C2 till now, he's mostly had losses. Um, but there are losses that have all meant something. So very, very well done and very special. And he says every time he gets down on himself, the fans pick him up. He references that they dance along with him every time. And Garcia sends a message to Christian Cage, but his music hits and the patriarchy comes on down. Cage uh, said that Adam Copeland will never have a TNT title shot again. He gives the coordinates of uh, the cemetery where Garcia's dad is buried, which is something that Sean Googled when he gave the address. And then I stole Sean's image and put it behind me. And there you go. Okay, so that's Ryan's background for today. Um, he talks about Garcia's dark childhood and brings up his mom, uh, who has been on multiple Jericho cruises, which pops me tremendously. Um, and Cage says that it's not a fairy tale ending for Garcia winning a tribute. The title would be a tribute to his father, but they know that's not going to happen because he was a piece of crap and a loser alcoholic. Uh, really just driving home the father stuff, not only with the absence of the father, but uh, reiterating that he was a piece of shit. Um, and Mother Wayne is out there looking great, of course. Cage nodded to Nick Wayne, who hits the ring, but Garcia quickly puts him in a dragon tamer. Killswitch comes to the ring, and he's leveled by Matt Menard. And Menard and Garcia are standing tall in the ring with chairs. Cage says he doesn't want to hurt Garcia. He just wants to guide him. My God, this Christian Cage run. This might be the most over Christian's ever been in his career. It's insane. Um, he's very, very good at this. Like the the fact that he gives a you have accidentally this thing happened where he faced multiple people that had dead dads, right? And they've organically turned that into something that he uses as a pawn against all of these opponents, which is also just sad for the AEW roster, to be quite honest. But um, what's incredible to me about it is every promo that he does it with is different. Like, it's not just, you have a dead dad, haha, that's our cheap pop, because people were popping for that. Um, but, like, this one felt so different from the past ones. And I just, I appreciate how many layers he's been adding into this, because it's always so manipulative, whether it was, like, in the sit-down with Darby, like, all of these things keep coming up and he's just really weaving a hell of a tapestry here. Um, Joe, I'm going to start with you. What did you think of the segment? And is it Daniel Garcia's time? I feel like Tony Khan's gotten so much better at striking while the iron's hot. Iron's hot for Danny Garcia, but I could also see them keeping this on Christian. Yeah, I think it's time for, if Christian's going to drop the belt, I think it'd be great to lose it to someone like Danny Garcia who's a younger guy who needs a belt like that over and a big win over Christian, who's obviously an established name. I think it makes sense, um, you know, kind of parallel to the of what Swerve's doing in, uh, in the World Headweight Championship title picture. Uh, so, yeah, I think Garcia's a new promo tie I thought was really strong for him. Yeah, uh, very natural talker. Yeah, I just felt... Very natural talker. Very organic and just, you know... It felt like he had a couple of things he wanted to say, and 
without you know, much rehearsal, you just kind of lay it all out. And yeah, I don't know how many more people have like dead dads in AEW. Um, at this point, I'm almost wondering if I, I don't know, I might challenge Christian for the title at this point. Like my dad's, my dad's dead. I let go. See, this is literally the only thing standing between me and the title is that I have a dead father who's very present and loving and supportive of me. So I, I can't, I'm pretty sure I'd win it if I didn't, but Ryan, I love your thoughts on this segment. And also, you know, Christian was very specific in his wording of he will never challenge for the TNT title again. Doesn't mean he wouldn't try and recruit him on his side to maybe cost Daniel Garcia here. Uh, your thoughts on what happens at the pay-per-view, which we'll talk about more on the prediction show, but I feel like this segment set up a lot of possibilities tonight. So did Tony Khan put out a survey to his wrestlers and say, <laughs> is your dad alive? Yes or no. And any that filled out, no, he handed it to Christian and said, who do you want to feud with? I, think I feel I like that's what's happened here. Well, the question is probably, who's your daddy and what does he do? <laughs> Died of a tumor. It's not a tumor. Uh, I mean, the promo was amazing. Both promos were amazing. Daniel Garcia hitting like a very hard to nail face promo and he, and he hit it well. You know, sometimes that, that like you guys support me face promo is very difficult to do when he, he pulled it off with authenticity and it just, people love him and, and it works and then christian to come out and just when he when he hit the family history when he started that the crowd just i can't believe you're going there um i would give them i would give the belt to 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 danny garcia i would have i would have copeland cost christian okay and then copeland and then copeland get jealous of garcia and Christian eventually win him over. Not bad. I like that. I'm ready for Edge as a heel. That's the only reason I'm kind of leaning toward it is I I think the shininess of him debuting and everybody's so excited to hear Alter Bridge on this program. Can't believe it. Like that's wearing off now. And I feel like so much of his, because he's really good at his job, so much of what he's done has been about the rest of the story and the other people in it. That like a little bit of a heel snap, I, I think, could put a lot of shine back on Adam Copeland in a good way. But not mad about that. Not mad about that. I think we got to get a table of ladders and chairs tag team match at all in, I think, is the way to go there. But a um, lot of possibilities. And I like that there's not anything that's super obvious in that because it does feel like there are some more predictable things. But, like, there's some ambiguity on this card, too. And we're going to talk about that on our prediction show as well. But let's first talk about poor Sydney Winnell, I believe is her name, who faced timeless Tony Storm. Uh, very happy to see two women's matches. Not happy to see two women's take matches take the amount of time of one, basically, on a show. But a dominant champion. You can sell me on this. But what we really got jipped out of on this was... Um, not enough facial expressions, not enough uh, time on the mic, not enough of Luther doing insane stuff. So this is a very, very, very quick match. But she does manage to get in the Venus de, de Milo, I believe it is, uh, submission, which is a Diana move. Like this is really um, Tony in a very quick amount of time pulling out some of Diana's best hits as a way of saying, I'm coming for you. I love that this insane character has managed to 
turn some of this just straight up into being about pro wrestling. Like that's a really fun thing to me. Uh, I'm going to throw it to Ryan and I'm going to get my dog to leave my charger alone. But what did you think about Timeless Tony Storm? And will you please reenact some of her faces? Okay, so hold on. Yes. Um, wait, I got to do this the right way. If you do this, I, I, but not face paint. Shut up. Shameful. Um, so, I, listen, I liked the match. I think there's an interesting story they're telling. Tony Storm faced a indie wrestler off the street that she was definitely going to beat, no questions asked. And they had Deanna wrestle a legend coach who knew her very well. And I think they're trying to speak to the women involved, which is Deanna's willing to take on all challengers and is hungry and wants to wrestle and is doing what she can. And Tony Storm is just desperately clinging on to her belt and her wins and her sanity. Um, I will so, say, even though it was very short, it was very effective. Like there were a lot of things that um, like she's gradually coming back into this world. Of, of pro wrestling, right? And Deanna's a, a big part of that. Uh, Joe, what did you think of our silly uh, match that we got here? And then we'll throw it back to Ryan for some faces. Yeah, I think it was effective for what it did. It, you know, she was kind of no nonsense. She didn't play the character up too much. Uh, you know, Deanna had been challenging her to bring out this old, this old pony. And, you know, this is her way of showing that it's still there. That she can, you know, run through someone at 100 mile per hour with her hip attack, and you know, the cherry on top is, you know, finishing the opponent with your maneuver. So, um, and then the, the camera worked beautiful at the end with the whole split screen again. Yeah, amazing, amazing how they do that. Um, because there was a lack of of facial expressions. I would like for Ryan to prove that he actually does like our chat tonight, and uh, um, maybe give I, us I some wanna... close ups. Give the do you want to see Ryan? Do you want to see what I'm mimicking, or do you want me to just do it? No, 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 just do it. <laughs> or, or uh, that's the one. That's the one. Where's the hands? Give me some. Aren't the hands supposed to be somewhere? Like, yeah, aren't they like? There, we'll, the we'll some... There you go. Yeah, that's the thumbnail. What's fun is like on the on the angle, the one looks like Tony Storm, but dead on, you kind of looked like a big mouth Billy Bass. Remember those fish where they were just like, I can't hear you. You got to pull your mic closer again. I'm taking shots all at me tonight. I just. I'm coming in hot. Okay. Coming in I'm trying hot. to see if there's any other good ones for me to mimic. I literally went on to Twitter and. Put in Tony Storm facial expressions. <laughs> Don't put in Tony Storm facial. No, I made sure I added expressions. And luckily, Denise Salcedo had a few saved that popped up instantly. Oh, there's also this one. Or she's like snooty. Oh, yeah, the little. So. I like it. Or. <laughs> I can't do the lip curl. She does like a lip curl thing. I can't she do it. She does do a really good, like, Elvisy lip curl. Yeah, but thank you. We we appreciate it because there was a startling lack of facial expressions on the show. And what Dynamite lacks, I like to try and give to the people. And what I like to give to the people is when I make other people do stuff. So I appreciate it. And I, I, I'm not sure I love that uh, 
Joe going, oh, that's the thumbnail, which also means that might be the clip. And I'm not thrilled with that. But... I'm ecstatic, and I already wrote down the timestamp. So... <laughs> <laughs> out of context, would it be like a montage of Ryan's doing these different looks? We'll just do it'll. It won't be like a reel. It'll just be a picture thing, but it'll be like six of them. But it'll just be Ryan's faces, so we can edit them, put them in black and white. It'll yeah. be beautiful. You know, it's, even Rocky had a montage. Even Rocky had a montage. <laughs> Tell you what, Deanna Parazu and Madison Rain. Outside of a scary neck bump or head bump. Uh, Which was the, the move of the nights for some reason. Yeah. It was... Uh, that part wasn't great. But this match got some time. These two very, very familiar with each other. Not only a, a coach of Deanna's, but they faced each other in TNA um, or Impact at that time, I guess. Uh, here in AEW and I believe in NXT as well, I want to say. They faced each other a lot. Um, but some good stuff in this, the, the unfortunate, um, situation with the, the neck bump really kind of clouded things for me, but loved her using Tony Storm's ankle lock or the break a leg as she's been calling it. Um, so this was fun to have these back to back cause they were pulling from each other's toolboxes a little bit. So, um, I really enjoy this. I'm glad I got some, some time, uh, her side Russian leg sweep was really, really nice in this. Like. Tiana's in ring, man. I know I'm a technical wrestling fan, but like it's really, really interesting the way that she approaches things. And it's fun to see women doing stuff like this. Like we don't get enough of that, in my opinion. So very cool. And I just liked the volley back and forth of um, this little chess game of Tony using Deanna's moves and Deanna using Tony's moves. We'll start with Joe this time. Uh, scary botch aside, what did you think of this match? And did you have fun with the, the dueling story that we got for tonight? I did. I like the, you know, the one-upsmanship of of the match and of the story. And to Brian's point earlier, having Deanna wrestle someone who she knew so well and vice versa to challenge herself before going into the match with Tony. Um, the unfortunate DDT-looking move where it looks like she gets over-rotated or something, that looked painful. That kind of, like, overshadowed everything for me, but I'm glad that they went to the finish of her doing the Tony's ankle lock instead of the Venus de Milo, where you know yeah. you would have the pressure on the neck and the head, and like doing doing the ankle lock was the best case scenario to get out of that match. Hundred percent. I don't know if that was initially agented, but it was a very smart pivot if they pivoted or if they were doing it because it's called the break a leg. Like that's a that's a good call, but a, a good point, Joe. A good point. Anything else from you, or should we throw it over to Ryan, who is... No, I want to see how many good points Ryan has. As do well, I, as the... he stands here in front of the cemetery during the bright of Over under two and a half. <laughs> That's just rude. Well, neither of you referenced the split screen. We did. Uh, we did earlier, but also, my goodness, we're leaving some uh, stuff for you to talk about, Ryan. I was just caught up, I guess, in Kate insulting me again and again and again. I liked the commentary called out the injury, the, the, the botch spot and be like the ref had a check on her. And so that when that stuff happens and it's not okay, that the, the promotions feel more all right with stopping a match dead and not trying to continue. Like trained fans to understand that there's going to be some times where a move stops everything dead because it's too serious. 
no one's going to complain. Well, some fans will, but they're weird. Um, the breaking a leg move. I like though that uh, and not I like or I li- I like that they stole. You guys were right. What I don't like is that why did Tony let up with her version of breaking the leg after the match? There was no threat to her. Why did Tony? Tony had the breaking the leg on Deanna, right? Mm-hmm. Why did she ever let go? Well, probably to get to their title match. More of a warning Why? shot, I would say. I would have just been holding that thing until the till the match. I guess, but you know, she's not really wrestling out here. She's giving performances, so. I was That's surprised. I also. I was surprised that Deanna was unlacing her boot. And like, if 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 my ankle was in that ankle lock, I would keep my my boot on as tight as possible to reduce swelling. That's fair. That's a fair point. Yeah, but then the swell. It. it I will say this. I agree with you, Joe. That's actually the logical way to handle it. But I do think the natural inclination of people who are hurt when the swelling starts and it feels uncomfortable is to yeah, untie your your shoes. Like, but um. Yeah, I mean, you guys, you guys took all the, the, the good stuff, the dueling stuff, but I liked it. I, I do like. Wait, I didn't close out. Right open for you. The what? Leave the split screen like basically wide open for you. You, said, you guys said you it. covered it. Yeah, but we didn't say like how magical it was. We just said love the split screen. You said you referenced it, and I thought I missed it because I was well, being insulted. Listen, listen to the product, Ryan. No, what I, we didn't reference was that during Tony's message. It would go from color to black and white like yeah. every three seconds, which was amazing. It was basically color why the action was going on. And anytime Tony got like a moment on, on herself, it went to black and white. Whoever's doing this this programming, whoever's doing killing it at a video, it, yeah. Absolutely killing it. Really good stuff. The women's division is cooking, and I'll take this time to also note that AEW made a important hire of VP. Uh, a woman in a VP role, which is very exciting um, on the creative side of things, who was in WWE and worked very closely with Mercedes Monet. So that only continued growth in the division from a work rate standpoint and a creative standpoint, but we're now seeing expansion of screen time and a women's presence backstage, which can't imagine that's a bad idea in light of recent events. I think that's probably a very good call, especially someone that works so closely with Mercedes. So um, good developments happening there. More developments in our tag team title picture here. We get Darby and Sting. This felt like they were at a spooky church turned into a nightclub. I did not know it was a recreation of the Crow set. Just didn't know that. You mean a recreation? Yeah, recreation. Recreation, as in it, like we're having fun and we're 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 playing. They're not <laughs> recreational. But you're saying recreation, and it's recreation. Oh, go cry over a promotion. You make fun of my fucking, the way I pronounce things all the time. Yeah. I get to say this. I am with Ryan on this one. You can say it, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to continue Joe, to make Joe's, fun of you or deflect. Joe's with me. Joe's with me. <laughs> I think in parts and recreation. It's a great show. You should be nice. happy that I said that. Either way, I didn't know, because I didn't, I'm not like in the weeds on Sting stuff, but a very cool nod to them doing that. We do find out here, unfortunately, that Sting's dad did pass away recently. Um, He talks about the Young Bucks 
going after his children says this starts making him think about his own mortality with stuff like this um, that he always thought it was invincible but now he's starting to feel more vincible I said that not him but uh, all of this heading into revolution I think is is a nice build like this was a really really good promo it felt very heartfelt very sincere this was a really good example of like it doesn't have to be the longest promo to be the most effective like this really put a lot of heart into a match that I think is going to be great and especially when the other side of this is dominated by Matthew and Nicholas and them doing this very silly good cop bad cop stuff like to have something so heartfelt heading into the last match to talk about his dad and his kids and his own mortality and feeling invincible, especially when we see him jumping off of shit constantly. Um, it, it's a nice touch. It's, it really is. And, uh, you know, he shows you why he's been legendary for so long. Like we were talking about how natural Daniel Garcia is on the mic. Like, I don't know if there's anybody who comes across more sincere than Sting when he has things like this to do. Um, Ryan was snarky to me. So I'm going to start with Joe and maybe we'll get to Ryan, but Joe, feel free to call out everything you want about this promo and leave nothing for Ryan at all. You know, the only thing I'm really going to say was about the promos. I wish this was a promo I wanted maybe last week or so. I know Steam was selling the you know, the attack, the bats, and injury, and all that stuff. But it would, it, ideally, it would have been great to have it instead of the Darby promo that we had. But, you know, do the circumstances in life and everything else that Sting was dealing with, I understand. But um, I'm glad we got the promo, though, because it, it, we needed it to to build up this match. Um, and I'm going to be kind and leave the rest of the meat on the bone for Ryan. So we move on uh, to this Tony Schiavone and Wardlow. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Ryan, if you're going to paint your face next week, which you are, like, I can't just not let you weigh in on this. What are your thoughts on the man who you're going to be paying tribute to in the face next week? You mean the man called Sting? Man called Sting. He's literally a crow and a joker and a surfer. And a midnight toker. Uh, this was an amazing promo. It's it's actually sad that it's, it's one of his last because it was that good. He, uh, the the heart and there and because even ignoring the story of the, the 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 kayfabe story of like these are my you beat up my children which was a great it's a great kayfabe story and give that to him you can just tell there is a lot of heart between like this is it for me like this is this is gonna be my my last match it's the last you'll see me do it um so the heart and the promo and, it's, and then that's not always any like with, like I said with Daniel Garcia and his earnesty. It's also not easy to get true heart across in a lot of promos, at least to the point where I could feel it. And I could feel it in this. And he doesn't usually talk that softly but and seriously at the same time. Usually when he's talking softly, it's like almost like menacing and like, a, like almost in a Joker way. This was so soft, so serious. The tone was perfect. And I didn't get the Crow reference either, to be quite honest. Good. That makes me feel a little less bad. Uh, but... Very cool. This is this is a beautiful set off to him and kind of to what you were saying, like this doesn't feel like a guy who's gonna retire and then come back or retire and then be a major on screen presence in another way. Like kind of feels like this is the end of the road. Like I'm sure maybe he'll continue to work backstage or might pop up every now and then, but like he seems like a rare situation because of his age and 
just his respect for wrestling in a way um, that feels like if he's going out, like this is probably him really going out this time. So beautiful that we get to see it. Then we get a promo that boy, oh boy, I felt like Wardlow needed. I really, really liked this. Um, the, the crux of it is basically him saying, I beat CM Punk. He's still fighting injuries. His body's still falling apart on him ever since I did. I squashed MJF. Where's that guy? He's nowhere to be found anymore. Um, and what did I do to our world champion now, right? Um, in in uh, Samoa Joe. And I just, I loved that we got this from him because we needed this from him. Like, it, it felt like, okay, I go out and I squash someone and I'm angry. Uh, but this wrapped up with the sincere part of, there was nobody who was over like I was over a while ago. Every arena was chanting for me. Everybody loved me. And then all of a sudden, right, like that just wasn't the case anymore. Like I loved this. I found it remarkably effective for him to acknowledge that he was over in white hot and that he wasn't. And then to also say, I left a path of destruction. And I'm going to remind you motherfuckers exactly what that looks like. <laughs> like that was really, really warranted. Um, I don't know if he stays around in the Undisputed Kingdom. And this did feel like more than anything, it was probably setting up a program with MJF for when MJF gets back. Like that that felt a little bit closer to me. I'd imagine MJF is going to come back face and then turn heel because I think people will just genuinely be excited to see him back. But like it felt like more of it was referencing that stuff. But I think he really needed this. I actually thought this was a home run. We're going to talk about Meat Madness and whatever the hell this is as well. I don't I don't know if we ever actually got an answer, but he's going to be a part of Meat Madness, whatever it is. I hope it's just a four-pack at the pay-per-view that's like him, Miro, Will Hobbs, and somebody else. Who else is, who, who else is meaty that's around? Brody King. Perfect. No, Brody King's going to be in that trio stage, but whatever. I hope Meat Madness is just a four-pack of big dudes. I think that would be very, very fun. Uh, I'll start with Ryan um, because of his love for the game and that he's going to be painting his face. But um, I, I thought this was like very much needed for Wardlow tonight and maybe one of his best promos that we've ever seen out of him because so much of his run was him just standing silently looking cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, this is, like you said, agreed. Um, I wasn't sure I liked it at the start because it almost sounded whiny to begin. But then he started nailing his points. And you're like, no, you have legitimate points to make that you have done nothing but perform over and over. And it makes up for like, it almost seems like he's mad that he's beating jobbers, which I like. I like that feeling of like, I don't want to be doing this. I want to be wrestling the real guys and climbing up the ranks. So that was, it was much needed. It, and it, it's a, it's a layer to his character because he didn't have one for so long. He has to have something. So I really appreciate that. On the meat side of things, I'm surprised you are excited for this cake because you're pretty much anti-meat at this point. Um not anti-meat. Yeah, you're you're pretty believe you're uh vegan. Yeah, but not when it comes to my ring. I'm just saying anti-meat. That is that is not a, a, a product of an animal suffering, what happens in there. Okay, that's I don't know. Those big men get hurt a lot. There's a lot of suffering there. Yeah, but um, have you seen the looks on their faces while it's happening? They love it. They're happy about it. They're not mad about it. So I'd be kind of animals. Big meaty men, though. 
beat the hell out of each other. That's what I say. Uh, this is gonna be it's gonna be insane, and I'm very excited for whatever the hell they end up doing with that. I am too. I'm intrigued to see where it goes, and I also just think that's a very fun way to get people on the card because, like, all out happened, people just started chanting me, and it's kind of just been a thing. So lean into it, uh, Joe. On a scale of one to meet, how excited are you for the meat pack? And more importantly, nah, equally as importantly, we'll say uh, this war though promo. What did you think? I'm very excited for the meat. Uh, I I kind of would almost like a little mini a little mini tournament, like a, not but maybe like you said four four guys or you know have two match two singles matches, and the winners of those guys face off later in the night or something. Um, I would be all for that. Maybe do a, a zero hour first round match for both of them, and then have a a meet final in the in the end. Um, the promo was long overdue. It, I, this was the promo that I think a lot of us wanted from Wardlow when he came back, uh, and he he didn't say anything. He just came in and you know would power bomb jobbers and and move on without much reason. Uh, so this was the promo we I think we wanted. It shows a lot of his character. It showed that he's able to speak and talk in the mic. Uh, it, I, I, he has so many references of, like you said, of, you know, getting beating people up who are champions now or who have been champions. Uh, you know, kind of slight references to almost like to the Goldberg and to Brock Lesnar and uh, in his promo. And I'm always a fan of these kind of promos where. No, you're you're kind of a heel, but all everything you say is true. There's always facts in your promo, so I'm all for those kind of promos. Kind of like what you no, know, Drew McIntyre does on the WWE side. Love those promos because it makes you question. Well, maybe this guy has a point, and you know, maybe we sh- there's a, a a method to his madness, I guess. But uh, yeah, or like it it. It's always easier to buy into the behavior when it feels more justifiable, I right. feel like. So uh, I am with you on that. The last the one bad thing that, that got me was the, the closing line. I, I still, there's always, the, the closing lines always lose me because it's it's the whole, you know, it's not wrestling, it's war. Kind of lost me. It kind of, it, it kind of gave me the same feeling of when he would close out promos about being Wardlow's world. It just never resonated with me. No, it's always Bobby's world in my head. We get back-to-back segments here with the Bang Bang Scissor Gang. There's going to be the Collision Cowboys in action this Saturday, which will be Austin Gunn and Daddy Ass uh, with Jay White. And we then get a quick backstage with Don Callis and the Don Callis family. Big thing here is he calls David Guevara a cuck which I appreciate. Uh, but Renee asked him if there's going to be tension between the Callis family once we see Will Ospreay and Takeshita and Bob Callis refutes it, says it's ridiculous. He went over to the UK himself to go fish out Ospreay or that he's going to. I like this because we saw the match get set between Callis family brother and a Callis family brother already, right? Like that, that makes sense of him being like, there's not going to be tension. We just did this last week. So I appreciate that. Um, but, uh, yeah, he calls David Guevara a little cock and meat madness powerhouse Hobbs, uh, and himself will deal with it on rampage. Hobbs will probably be in that match. Uh, I'm assuming that's going to be something along those lines, which will be very fun. 
Uh, I'll throw it over to Ryan first and get your thoughts on those segments back to back. Your Bang Bang Scissor Gang and Don Callis. Bang Bang. I mean, the Bang Bang Scissor Gang is wearing thin. And by is wearing, I mean it's worn. Do whatever you're doing now. I just want, you're wasting Jay White. You're wasting. So and Bowens. Yeah, you're wasting Bowens. Like, I'm and okay. What'd you say? So, and, you're, and they're wasting your time. Yes. Yeah. True. But that's worthless, so that's fine. I'm okay if. That's meaner than anything I said in jest on the show tonight. My time is worthless. It's so cruel to yourself. You self <laughs> It's awesome. <laughs> I'm good with the Bang Bang Gang having the titles if they win the trio titles. If you then push them as a real threat, the guns have taken steps, leaps and bounds. And with Jay White leading them being like this ultimate wrestler, you can really make them something. Right now, they're all, all six of them, seven. No six. All six of them are just jokes. And that's, I keep forgetting that what's his name is not around. Um, I know that Juice isn't here. Also, and that and that's a shame. Like Bowen should be out doing his own thing. Uh, or even if you want the acclaim to stick around as a as a tag team, then re redo them as a tag team, but make them more serious. Like up that. Man, level. I'm so out on Max Caster though, with like him just repeatedly making NDA jokes that have to get cut out and shit. Like he's gotta rein it in, and he has to get better in the ring because it is becoming so one note to me. Like it's. It's not good. It's not good. Like, he did it at an indie show, and then he did it again on a Rampage taping, and they had to cut it out. Like, fucking knock it off. Like, this has happened multiple times. He already got sent to sensitivity training. Like, he's not valuable enough to, like, get away with that shit. Not that anybody should, but, like, I think the ice gets thinner when you're also the not the guy who is the worker in this whole thing, right? Like... And Bowens is plenty charismatic on his own. So, like, he's got to grow up. He's got to grow up. And I hate to say it because it was like, right, his dad also died. I'm sure he'll be facing Christian at some point. Um, yeah. But, like, it happened on the indie show a week after his dad died. And then they did it on TV and it got cut. Like, whoever's supposed to be policing that shit needs to rate it in because it's bad. It's really, really bad. But sorry to be a downer. I get heated on it. But, Joe, what were your thoughts on this segment? Oh, Ryan, uh, your thoughts on the Callus segment, too, before we flip it over to Joe. Me. Until Osprey comes in, we're in a holding pattern, so I'm just waiting for that to, to hopefully kick things off. You want to get elevated? Yeah. Elevation. Whoa. Whoa. It's not quite Will Osprey's theme, but uh, Joe, what were your thoughts on both of these segments? The Bang Bang Scissor Gang, I at least appreciate the fact that I feel like they started to throw some questionable things out there tonight with you know, them questioning Jay White's suggestion of mixing up the, the trios and kind of you know, mixing and mashing. I feel like Jay kind of going to play that role of you know, stirring the pot and trying to cause that dissension among the group. So hopefully that'll break them up and Everyone can go on their merry way and hallelujah. <laughs> do some better work than this holding pattern that they're in. And then speaking of holding pattern, that's kind of where I feel like the, the Don Callis family is right now, just kind of 
know, you're on TV just to like keep you in front of people's eyes. Remember what, what who you're in programs with. And, you know, we'll have to you know, pivot to something after Osprey just there. And hopefully something comes out of that. But until it then. It's interesting because it feels like the angle was probably leading toward. Uh, Kenny. Oh. Yeah. The. Aussie Open, United Kingdom, or uh, United Empire. No pop at all. <laughs> but I do feel like um, like now we have Kyle Fletcher, right, with the visa issues and Mark Davis mm -hmm. is still injured. So hopefully that all gets straightened out. But I do find it interesting that they are having Osprey debut before his Revolution match. I think that's, that's kind of cool. So um, feels like we're building to an all-time over pay-per-view. Love to see that. But that brings us to our main event. Your AEW World Champion Samoa Joe Swerve and Brian Cage with, of course, Prince Nana. Getting the win here over Hangman Adam Page. Your FTW Champion Hook. I can't remember the last time that title got defended. And who? R-B-D. Rob Van Dam? Nobody? I was, Nobody? I was literally enjoying you doing it with no response. I'm going to oh. be honest. Really fun multi-man match here. This is when I was like, yeah, we we did some collision work tonight because we got a long multi-man match uh, to close out the night. RVD shouldn't be able to go as well at this age. Like, it's it's pretty ridiculous how great he is. I complain about old guys being on the screen all the time, but he, can, he still knows ball, as the kids could say. Um, but this ends with him taking the pin here, which, of course, was the right move, too. Like, you're going to have a pin eater. You might as well have it be somebody fun. That's a nostalgia pop. But uh, Joe gets the Coquina clutch on RVD. I'm going to go less heavy on spots with this because I do want to wrap us up sooner than later. Uh, but there was a lot of really fun stuff in here. I will say uh, the Death Valley driver call, but hook countering it into DDT looks really, really cool in this. Um, and it is always so shocking to me that Brian Cage can do the things that he does. Like it's, it's pretty shocking. Um, so good stuff. I mean, really good stuff here. But uh, you get Joe holding up the title after this. Swerve looking on with Nana. And what I thought was a really cool shot. Like it was him looking through the ropes. And Swerve just, uh, he very rarely has vulnerability. And I feel like he was like, Samoa Joe is a different kind of fucking guy. Like I could read that on his face. And I, I really liked that. Um Adam Page was holding his ankle. We hope that he's not actually injured. Uh, that would be so awful. Uh, <laughs> but he's also really damn good at selling. So let's just hope it was that. But this was a fun main event. Um, I, I'm in this place where I think it swerves time. But I also feel like I could watch Samoa Joe be the champion for the rest of his life. Like it is incredible how much that guy just... You give him a belt and he is a champion. And like when he doesn't have a belt, he is a champion that's walking around without a belt. Doesn't always mean he's in a title picture, but he carries that gravitas, gravitas so much. Like um, really, really just can't say enough about how from the second he steps out from behind the curtain to when he's done, just feels like a world champ. But fun stuff here. We'll go to Joe first. Your thoughts on our main event. I thought it did. It accomplished what it needed to accomplish. Uh, it felt very much like almost like a go go home 
match before the pay-per-view, like something you would have the Wednesday before the pay-per-view where you put these guys in kind of a, a mixed tag match to kind of, you know, protect them a little bit. And, um, but they're still the stars of the match and all the other guys are kind of filler to, to take away some of the work. Uh, I thought having Rob Van Dam, you got a lot of offense in uh, from, you know, the old guy went and yeah, it made sense. I mean, if you, if, if you don't get that much offense, I mean, if you're going to eat the pin, at least, you know, have a lot of offense in the match early on uh, to look like a That's threat. A, a sneaky way to protect your talent that is leading up to the triple threat, like from getting injured, is to have mm-hmm. a guy who's a nostalgia favorite who can still go do a ton of work, get a ton of crowd reaction, but people are still getting to see their modern day favorites. But it lightens the workload on those mm-hmm. other people. So it is it is clever, but continue. Yeah, that I means. That's I, I thought I I thought it was a solid match leading up to their match the pay per view and I don't AEW they really like doing overruns. Yeah, <laughs> I, like it, I thought there gonna be some kind of closeout angle or something more beyond just them staring at each other, but no, just, they're like unnecessary overruns too. Like I'm always like you could have just not <laughs> like I can always find when it's only like three minutes and they're not important minutes. I'm always like. I can find different places you could have scraped stuff, <laughs> but, uh, but, but good enough. Never going to complain about a couple more minutes of wrestling. Right. Uh, Ryan, what do you think of our main event tonight? Uh, I mean, it was a good main event. I like Hangman's interview beforehand where he was a dick and he was like, you know, we wouldn't even be here if he had beat him and, and got, yes, he's got the mustache, full mustache, no beard. Jacket with uh, no shirt. We are fully so, healed, but, my friends. So just to be like, uh, you know, we wouldn't even be here if you beat him to RVD. It's just such a good line, and, and he was just such a jerk. And then, coincidentally, RVD takes the loss. They are there doing a masterful job of, of pushing Hangman further and further into heel territory, and I'm, I'm I'm here for that ride. Match itself was great. I don't have a lot. There was one moment I will call out. It ended up not being a spot, but it was funny. Where it was when um, Hook came in and suplexed Joe, and RVD was going to frog splash him, but Joe was like all the way across the ring. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm sitting there thinking, there's just <laughs> no way RVD pulls this off. And then Brian Cage comes and pushes him. I'm like, thank God, yeah, because that would have looked so stupid that when he missed bad. his frog splash on Joe. Yeah, because there's just no way in hell he was pulling that off. But otherwise, no, it was good. Shit. And like you said, it's smart to put RVD in to take the loss. Doesn't hurt Hook. Doesn't hurt Hangman. He gets the nostalgia thing and the stare down between Joe and and, and Swerve injected into my veins. Yeah, that was a really, really fun way to go home on what I thought was a very low to medium episode of Dynamite tonight, especially considering it was basically a collision. I don't care what Ryan says. The structure of it really lined up what we do on Saturdays, but no stage, no Nigel. You're already you're already going against the, the flow there. Like that's a tough one, but Nothing egregiously bad. Nothing too bad. We covered a lot of news at the beginning of the show. If there's anybody who's still waiting around for news and notes. Uh, Also talked about some stories along the way. We had uh, a new gal in uh, the VP role for content, which is great. Or creative, rather, which is wonderful. Um, Love to see that. So you can catch that at the front of the show and throughout a little bit if you joined us late. But 
what we will remind you of before we get out of here is to buy a Mark Order t-shirt. I know I turned heel on the chat before, but I'm turning back face, okay? If the big show can turn face and heel every two seconds, so can I. So I will ask you, uh, if you can, if you're able to, if you have enough shekels to head on over to Pro Wrestling Tees, search for the Mark Order podcast. You can check out any one of our four designs. All the money that you give us goes right back into this show. We really, really do appreciate it. Other ways you can support us, leave a five-star review, even if you watch in video form, to see Ryan doing Tony Storm's faces and things like that. Uh, we always appreciate it. If you can go onto Spotify or Apple Podcasts, um, definitely helps us out. And to just leave a thumbs up on this video as well. It helps people find us in the algorithms. It's very, very, very helpful to us. But before we get out of here... We will figure out time to do a prediction show for this pay-per-view. I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, but Joe, outside of this little wrestling podcast world, what do you have going on? Or in it, really. What's going on with you? What's going on with me? Well, other than tonight, we will be on Saturday night on the choir on Choircast as Collision returns this Saturday at normal time. So I'll be there. I assume Ryan will be there. I'm a collider. I ain't gonna give up. I ain't gonna stop. There you go. Live watch along Saturday night uh, on social media at underscore Asian Joe. In my bios on my social media, there's a link to my serial review blog. So if you want to read about serials that you'll never buy, enjoy. Maybe we will buy them. And you should have affiliate links to all of those serials if we do, because you deserve a kickback for your bravery in trying these weird and silly cereals. But Ryan, the stalwart of our Mark Order social media, where can people find you? Where can people find us? What are you up to these days? You can find me on all our social media at Mark Order Pod. Um, oh, I forgot Instagram tonight. I got to get better Instagram. That wasn't my thing, so I got to get back on that. <laughs> um, but you can find me on all our socials at Mark Order Pod. And then... You can follow me, my history blog here for history.com or at underscore here for history on Twitter. And that's about it. And you will see me Saturday with Cho. Cause him and I, we collide. Do, 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 do. I'll try and hop on that if I'm able to. I love collision. It's my favorite American presentation of wrestling right now. So uh, I will see if I can join on that. If I still have a brain and a mind. And ahead about me by the time we get to Saturday. But you can also catch me on Fightful Select on Mondays doing the Raw Sour Graps review with Alex. We hit 500 episodes. Well, he hit 500 episodes. I've been there for like half that. Uh, <laughs> on Fightful Select, uh, we did a special edition on Saturday that explains all of our wacky lore. If you tuned in or like what the fuck is going on. We actually went pretty in depth onto where everything kind of came from. But a lot of fun being had there. Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday on the Fightful main channel covering NXT, ROH, and SmackDown, respectively. And Wednesdays here at the Mark Order, whatever I can be. Appreciate it. Hanging out with these guys. But stay tuned for the Collider cast. Stay tuned for our prediction show, which we will set up a time to figure out. And more importantly, stay tuned for Ryan having his face painted next week. That's a guarantee. We'll see you. Have a good night.
This concludes the Mark Order Podcast. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming.